RJ's back, and Fez has a vacation this week. But next week is the NFL quarterback draft edition of the Dream Preview. We've got a full house otherwise. A.J. Hoffman, the fan who beats the man, some say. And Scott Seidenberg. The name flows off the tongue. The Vegas Sports and Information Network that shows the look ahead. I missed hearing you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're out a week. I, yeah, I know, I know. And uh, but I appreciate you guys holding down the fort. There's just some, you know, it's funny. Scott and I talked on the phone a day after I think the one I missed two weeks ago. He goes, Yeah, it was good. He goes, just something missing without you. I said, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> it is. It's, a, it's certainly a lot. The radio show's way different without you. The the pod's way different without you. It, it there is an energy you bring. It's it, it's kind of like how it's either they love them or hate them, but they care. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. But we got a fun addition or or episode here. One is we're gonna talk, and we already did some of this on the Straight Out of Vegas, and I thought it was really interesting. Is the live tour and you know it's kind of a political question but it's kind of more of a uh, hypocritical like to me americans generally hate hypocrites and it feels like there's a lot of hypocritical perspectives on the live and so we've gotten to that and that'll be the end of the show aj who's grinding on tape is that fair to say? I did grind on uh, some tape of players that I had never seen before I've grinded on this week. Some of the kids who didn't play college ball uh, grinded on some New Zealand League tape, some G League tape. So, yeah, been been grinding for sure. All right. And so we're going to talk draft that's coming up Thursday, but we're going to talk about what the odds are saying as of Tuesday. And it's really going to be a merging of the – expertise that AJ has as a college basketball handicapper with the betting market knowledge. It's almost like a, a not a mock draft, but it's going to be a review of the players with the odds in AJ's take. That should be fun. And we're going to start, though, with Gronk retiring. I actually think this is a pretty big deal. We'll start with you, AJ. What was your thought when you heard it? I think it was this morning, right? Yeah. Gronk comes out and says, I'm retired. My initial thought was, man, they lose Gronk, who had his best statistical season since 2016 last year. So still a a player, not in his prime, obviously, but playing much better than people would give him credit for. And they lost Antonio Brown. Tom Brady's going to be a year older. The the way that the Bucs were able to have such success on offense was they overwhelmed you. You talked about this a lot last year with Antonio Brown, like having that third, fourth weapon that most teams just can't compete against. You can't, you can maybe match up with the top two guys, but once you get to that third and fourth level of, of weapon and they're serious weapons, it's hard for teams to match up. And now losing Gronk and Antonio Brown in the same offseason, it feels like this is a big hit to the offense for the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. Boy, I'm just looking at this on Twitter right now. Deshaun Watson settles 20 civil lawsuits filed against 20 of the 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Why didn't we talk about that on the show today? It was in Trello. I had it uh, prepped up for you. I didn't think you were interested. No, I mean, I think that that's an, I mean, it's kind of good to maybe have the day to see what happened. Mackenzie, why don't you write up um, a little half page memo on this? Even if you can't listen to the show like every second, because I mean, this is breaking. I, I'd like to at least know the facts and we can give our thoughts on it. 
For sure. It was part of the headlines. I'll have that ready for you in a second. It was part of the headlines? It was the second page. Well, if it's on the second page, it's really not the headline. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> but I hear you. I, I see <laughs> And then he's got Gronk Fifth announcing his retirement. This is wild. So the first headline today, so this is Tuesday, was two top 20 world-ranked golfers. But for some reason, world-ranked has is all capitalized. And it, but shouldn't it be world-ranked? I, that's correct. Uh, in lowercase world and rank and lowercase golfers, right? Yep, not a proper noun there. Including four-time <laughs> major winner. He's actually got two more hyphens, though, four-time and major winner. All right, that works, actually. Kepka. All right, so that was his number one. His number two was the Duke's, oh, Banchero. 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 I don't Paolo. Want... Just call him Paolo. No, I'm not even doing that. <laughs> Paul. Paul. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Paul with the bad haircut, maybe. I don't... But I just, I, it just sounds like a guy you don't want hanging out with your girlfriend. Right, I think that's, that's a fair That's all I'm going to say. Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> and then he's got Kyrie Irving where he's going to be. I, I can deal with that. Yeah. It was a big news day. But I don't understand what we were adding to the world golf thing. I, I'm we surprised you say two. that because I, I thought that we did a really good segment on we that. We did, but I'm saying headlines are about what news information. I can do a good segment out of anything, but <laughs> but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, it's like what were we adding as experts in Vegas? Nothing. You had that uh, Bubba Watson and Justin Rose are the next two favorites to yeah, make the Yeah, you're right. There's something there. But how could Gronk retire and not be ahead of that? Because I don't know from a Vegas perspective, like their Super Bowl odds didn't change. I didn't know how well, to make that's, it ahead. That's the story in itself, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No news is news. Mm. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, we'll get to the, the Sean Watson stuff breaking, well, four or five hours ago. But, you know, it's on page two of the headlines. <laughs> what do you think about Gronk? I think that there is a big name that will be signing in Tampa relatively soon. Who? Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, that'd be but a good guess. But when's he due back? I don't know, but it's it'll be if he if he's out for the first part of the season, and then comes back at a certain point. He's going to give them what basically Antonio Brown gave them last year, except more. And no, without, I'm not sure about more. Okay, well, well, maybe more if he plays the whole yeah, rest of the year. Yeah. But I mean, and, I you know. But without Gronk now, there's a need for a weapon, and I think that OBJ would would want to be in Tampa and play with Tom Brady. Why not? I think I think the the desire for Tampa to get OBJ goes up without Gronk. Yeah, but it's hard to imagine that they're letting Gronk. This feels like Gronk's choice. Well, this yes. isn't Tampa Bay's choice. Let me ask you: Is Tampa Bay? going to go into this season as presently constituted, meaning, uh, you know, Evans, Godwin, Cameron Bright. And or, Russell Gage. And R- Russell Gage. Or will there be another piece added at some point? Well, Faz is just texted me, said, what about little Scotty Miller? <laughs> He's still hanging around. I, I, you know Brady loves those little slot guys. They're very slotty. <laughs> My thought is, if you're Beckham and you've got the choice between the Rams and the Bucks, who have about the same amount of cap space available, I mean, one of them you just won a Super Bowl with. It seems like he's he's a good fit with the Rams. Sure. I, I, if I'm him, I'd stay with the Rams. Yeah, but I'm not sure any of this matters for – if we say, oh, Tampa's in trouble and they don't have a chance to climb out of the hole, I think your point's valid. Hey, OBJ's a viable mm-hmm. possibility. 
I think the question is, Gronk suited up last year. He didn't. He could have retired right away after the season and said, I'm not playing again. Mm -hmm. He kept it open. And then Tampa Bay's appeal was insufficient. It's almost like if a guy, if you have a friend, let's say it's kind of famous compared to you, and you say, I'm going to invite. I, I know the feeling. I'm going to invite them to a birthday party and, you know, my birthday. And, and maybe the person right away says, oh, no, I, I can't do that. And, you know, my, my mom's in town or something. You know right away they're not even considering it, right? <laughs> but if they say, give me a week to think about it, and then they say no, it means they considered it contemplated it and said, ah, insufficient, right? It, Gronk considered Tampa. He said yes to Tampa two years ago, said yes to Tampa last year, said no this year. What does that tell us about Tampa? I think what you said today, you kind of opened my eyes. I wasn't thinking about it this way, but if, if Gronk were asked by Tom Brady to come back and play one more year. Hey, I need you this year. We lost Antonio. I think you're a key factor this year. We didn't. Yeah, you could say he got, Antonio got run off. I, I don't think Gronk says no to him. Well, listen, Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, said the following. Gronk could still come out of retirement, quote, if Tom Brady calls him during the season. <laughs> <laughs> so doesn't that imply that Brady didn't sell him that hard now? I think Brady at this point kind of has a, a, allowed Grunk to ride off into the sunset. Because you know, we, he doesn't care about this year like he did before. I think so. And I think that Gronk is a guy that um, we've known this, right? Like he, he, he hasn't spent a penny of his NFL money throughout his career, right? He has saved all his NFL money. All the money that he spends is from his outside uh, income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so he is still young. He lives a great life. He's got tremendous opportunities outside of football. And I think, you know, Brady's, if he went to Tom and said, listen, I'm, I don't have the desire anymore and I'm, I'm living comfortably and this is what I want to do with my life. And I'm sure Tom was like, all right, buddy, go yeah. ahead. We want our title. But I guess the question becomes, what does this say? Because it's my belief and, and you weren't, joining the show when when this happened originally, but it was my strong belief that Bruce Arians and Brady, that there was a conflict around A.B. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's never been resolved. And the, all the stuff that's come out about Miami and, and, and Brady's plans, I mean, doesn't it tell you, like, he, he was choo- it was his choice to not play for Tampa Bay again, right? I mean, just what else can you say? Uh, I mean... Uh, it just feels like this is, you know, Arians is now not the head coach. It's Todd Bowles. It just feels like a little bit of a transition now with this Bucks team. They're still going to be good. They're still probably going to win the division still. But um, I, I just don't know if it's, you know, maybe it's Gronk. Not but are they, as, are they as good as the market seems to think they are? I think that's maybe where it's not. A, no. And I think that's a good question because the Bills right now, this is the pregame consensus. What do we go, five books here? Seven now. Seven books. For the NFL, yep. Bills plus uh, 625 are the favorite. Bucks 725. And then Chiefs, Rams, Packers all at 10 to 1. So if you look at it, it's like almost 40% more of a payout to bet the Chiefs instead of the Bucks or the Rams or the Packers. Packers with the doubts at receiver, I can see the doubt. I mean, you look at the Rams and you say right now the Bucks are, you know, you should be getting paid, you know, 35, 40% more if you are willing to take the Rams. 
Does that make sense? It makes no sense to me. I, I'm with you. I could see the Packers being around the same number as the Bucks, but the, the Rams and the Chiefs feel like it, there's value relative to Tampa. I agree. And, 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 and Rams especially because, I mean, other than OBJ and the question there, and they lost Woods. So, like, unless they get OBJ back, they're going to be down one receiver, right, in theory. Yep. But they're the type that they're going to get that late, you know, that, that disgruntled older receiver maybe mid-year mm-hmm. like they did with OBJ this year. Remember, they had Jackson on that team that went to the Raiders. What's his first name? De, uh, Deshaun. Deshaun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's right. The, he was the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that, that's a, one of the biggest play guys, you know, when he's healthy. Home run hitter. In the league. And he, and he just wanted to leave. And they said, all right. And, and, and then they got OBJ. So, I mean, they do seem to be very player-friendly, the Rams. My gut feeling is they're going to get another receiver if it's OBJ or someone else. It's like, how are they the lesser team to the Bucs? And, I, and I'll be honest, I loved, I loved the Bucs last year. They were defending Super Bowl champions. That didn't change much, much like the Rams are now. Not, it's, I, it's almost the same roster. I agree. And, 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 and I also would make the case that there was a sense of a mission. There was a sense of everyone taking less money. And then when Brady, I mean, how can you really buy into Brady when he wanted to be out the door? Like if, if Brady had his choice, he'd be at Miami right now. Well, it's almost the same question you would ask about Aaron Rodgers. And like w- when Devontae Adams left, he said, Aaron Rodgers long term in Green Bay made me question whether or not I should be here. So I decided to leave. So if. Are you saying he said that explicitly or it, saying his actions? No, said he that? said that. Okay. He said that Aaron Rodgers played a role in his decision to leave. So if, if Devontae Adams left because of some private conversation he had with Aaron Rodgers. Or maybe about who Aaron Rodgers is. Right. Why should I feel confident about if I'm a Packers fan going forward about Aaron Rodgers' long term position with the team? It doesn't make sense. Okay, so you're saying that that it's obvious that Aaron Rodgers is uh, the type to kind of rock the boat a little bit, and we see it with Adams. You're saying Brady and his decision-making, which typically is cohesive, it's all about team building. We're saying he's almost like the, a cancer like Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to say he's a cancer, but I think that Brady's probably less excited to play football for the Bucs than he would be in a, in a, normal, in a normal season. Yeah, I think him. I think this being his forty-fifth year, which is what he set the goal to be, is he's he's playing out the string, and at least at least more than Brady typically would be, because you would think your last year the stakes are the highest. Going out like Elway, the best way to go out. But yeah, it doesn't. It does. I don't get the vibe. Could have retired after the win. He could have. Yeah, but but a lot's changed between when they won the Super Bowl and right now. Within, I think, with the way Brady feels about that organization, and I, I think he's sour towards it, and I think he and Gronk probably had a real conversation, and Brady said, you know what, man, I don't blame you if you want to get out of here. That's well, what remember, I sense, well, Remember those rumors about Brady going to Miami and, and getting a stake of the team? Right? Maybe there was some validity to those rumors. I mean, would you say those are rumors, or was that reported? That's reported facts, okay. I believe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as much as reporting can be wrong sometimes, mm-hmm. usually if it's reported, it's pretty strong. Uh, and I think you you said something today about Brady was presented with a choice, and it was either retire before he wanted to, or come back and play for the Bucks. 
He was like, well, I guess I'll come back and play for the Bucs. In- and even then, it seems like he was willing to walk away if, if Bruce Arians was still the coach. Yep. I think it was begrudgingly he came back and obviously came back with some demands that had to be met for in order for him to come back. Now, would you guys agree that it's not really considered uh, an assumption that Brady is disgruntled with the Bucks. Like most shows, most people aren't. That's not an assumption. It, it seems like they're acting like that's a conspiracy theory. I, I agree. I, you're, you're, you've been at the forefront of talking about this. But I even believe. now, with all the facts keep piling up, but people don't like want to think about Brady being a disgruntled guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was there was some some grumblings about Brady and Belichick bumping heads at the end. But people, there was it was preferable for them to pretend like. A, it was either Belichick's fault, or B, it wasn't happening at all. Because that's easier than the thing. I'm not t- sure it was happening. Because if you listen to Brady on, on he did Howard Stern soon after that and talked really from the heart about yeah. Belichick. You, you saw that? I listened to it, yeah. And, and also, apparently after the game in week four or whatever, they sat for an hour 15 with un, you know unplanned and, and just talk. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think Belichick's a difficult – I mean, Bel- you know, I was listening to um, – the guy who was the Minnesota Vikings GM. Spielman? Yeah. He was on a PFF pod and talked for like an hour 15. He goes, you have to emotionally, you can't befriend the players, he said, because you're going to have to make a decision on them. Yeah. And in a weird way, Belichick being the GM and the coach, it's like the GM's not supposed to befriend the player, but the coach is supposed to be the coach. I think Belichick was comfortable with the emotional distance in general. And... I'm not saying that Brady uh, – listen, Brady was unhappy that Belichick didn't want to pay him. I mean, I think that's – all he wanted was a 25. You know, that 25 was an important number to him. I mean, we can say all he wanted, but, I mean – But was, for a guy who played for less than his market more, value yes. for most of his yeah. career, I don't think it was unreasonable for him to ask it. I think he always restructured to give the team sure. flexibility, and at one point he was like, hey – you know, All right, return, it's my turn. return the love. Yeah. yeah. No, see, I don't yeah. even think it's that. I think that Brady, at, remember, he signed with Tampa for 25 times two. I think he was worth it. I don't think that was over market. Nope. No. Yeah. So Belichick not giving it to him was about his assessment of him today. Yes. Not, not saying, I'm going to give you something for what you did in the past. He's saying, I don't think you're worth 50 million in the next two years today. No, because he's worth- always thinking about the future. Yeah. Do, Belichick. Do you think if Belichick could rewind two years ago, he, he pays Brady 25 a year for those two years? No, because I think he's comfortable with his position moving forward, that I think he's found the quarterback. Even though you would thinks- say Bill Belichick's stock is lower now than it was with when. Who? Well, not after with, last season. With who? But what I'm saying is... I mean, what I'm saying, whoever has Belichick's stock down is too dumb to even... No, but think about it this way. Like, when KD and Steph go their separate ways and Steph wins a title without KD, it, it doesn't look as, as Imagine good. Imagine if Belichick would have went to the chart. I mean, like, think... No one wanted to say what what Brady did. Brady did what... what and again, he put enough years in that one time mm-hmm. it's justified. But he was he pulled a LeBron. But you you bring up that interview, right? And Brady said, "Well, it, Belichick, it, his his uh, um, priority is to the team and to the team's future. And so it's his priority is not Tom Brady. His loyalty is not to Tom Brady. His loyalty or, or is to do, anyone else. Exactly. His loyalty is to do what's best for the Patriots moving forward. And looking at Tom Brady's age and assessing the quarterback market moving forward." He made the decision that he felt was in the best interest of the organization for the next several years, and I think he wouldn't change a thing because now he's got a quarterback that he feels is going to be 
his guy for the next several years. So let's talk about that question that AJ asked, because I'm not sure the answer is that. I agree with everything you said except the conclusion. Because if Belichick knew how well Brady was going to play the next two years, mm-hmm. let's be candid. If you, Let's use PFF and, and, yes. and QBR. Uh, QBR hybrid, right? Is Brady and Aaron Rodgers, like last year, you could make the case Brady had a better year than Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Uh, so to finish the point quickly is if you say this quarterback that you're worried about giving him a two-year deal for – God came down and said, well, I can tell you the next two years he will be the second best quarterback in the NFL over the course of the two years. Who doesn't want that guy on their team? I think you but, have to take but, that guy. But last year, he got his quarterback. That's the question. Okay? They get to the playoffs last year, and now moving forward, projecting for the next five years, they're set at least. Do you think now like, – look at the – look at." The quarterback market as it as it exists right now. Do you think that going into this year with Tom Brady on his last legs, uh, and I'm not saying physically, I'm just saying he's going to be done. Bill Belichick's probably sweating what what's next year. He doesn't I, have a quarterback. In the I future. think if you said okay, you can have Tom Brady for the next three years, and like you said, if if you knew he was going to play at this and level, we don't which know is, what his third year level we, is. We don't. Or you can have five years of Mac Jones. Well, that wasn't who's, the option. Who's more likely to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. I think Bill Belichick knew for a fact he could. He had a better chance of winning a Super Bowl with three more years of Tom Brady than whatever well, quarterback he drafted. Now what gets more complicated is how much Belichick wants to prove that it wasn't just Brady. If, if you keep Brady, no matter what you do, it just tacks on and doesn't stop the conversation of like, well, how? what's Belichick's record without Brady? Do you think Brady felt the same way? No, by all accounts, he wanted to stay in New England from what I, I mean, like literally he went to the owner's house and was trying, and the owner's calling Bill. I mean, it's, it was almost like a high school thing. And and remember now is the owner, I'm having a mental block on the name. Bob Kraft. Oh, Kraft, yeah. Robert, yeah, is he is like almost, well, he's past 80 now, right? So it's like he's in a position where every future thing with the buck or with Patriots isn't the issue. He wants his son, his surrogate son, Brady, to be happy. Because remember, Garoppolo's the one time, supposedly, that Kraft trumped and said, okay, Belichick, you got to get rid of this guy because yeah. mm-hmm. Brady doesn't like him. You know, so it's like, man, you got to figure how much does Brady or does Belichick resent that? Because he had his hand off, he thought. He, he planned for the future, and he got his guy. Is yeah. that a knock on Belichick? That he let that emotion of well, I want to prove that I can do this without Tom. Does that is that a knock on him? Because that feels like an emotional decision to let the the best quarterback of all time leave. I don't think he let him. No, no, no. I, I don't remember. I think that Scott's exactly right. Knowing what he knew at the time, considering Brady had a down year the year the, that last year in New England, he was not looking. The guy's 43 or whatever at the time, and he has his worst year. What do you think it might be? <laughs> Could it be his age? Sure. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, it's like what, what Brady's done since then is amazing. We got to diminish it a little bit by saying, well, first of all, when he won the title, he no diminishing it. But he went to an all-star team. He went to the one team that, that didn't have a yeah. quarterback that had a great, like Denver right now. Yes. Or so he, if Belichick got to pick the team that had a bad, like San Diego or the Chargers, you know, in theory, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I guess 
that would have been the rookie year for, for Herbs. So he wouldn't know. But if it was one year in, you know how good Herbert is. If Belichick went and won a title with the Chargers, would, would he think that was amazing? I don't think I would. I would think it's just par for well, the... Well, if the Patriots won if the Patriots went to the Super Bowl last year, what would your thoughts be? I would have found that to be amazing. Well, that would have been absolutely they, amazing. They were almost there. <laughs> well, 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 that's not they got true. beat by Buffalo. Yeah. They got beat a yeah. million to zero. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't even close to the top But they teams. were a team at one point favored to win that division in first place with staring in the face of home field advantage in the playoffs. And they ultimately lose the second regular season matchup to Buffalo. And then, you know, home field advantage is out the window and they're, you know, they're a wild card team. I mean, I think the Patriots were the favorite in the AFC one week. Yes. They had, they, they, they were home field advantage was in front of them. But I also think like you said, the end of the, the end of that regular season and that playoff game against the bills there's no way Bill Belichick's looking at at that and going, you know what, Mac Jones is the kind of guy to win these types of oh, games. I, I think that's so wrong. I think that's so wrong. I, and everyone agrees with you. So, I mean, I, I'm the one in the minority here. But just Like you think Mac Jones' ceiling is Josh Allen, Justin Herbert level or Patrick Mahomes level? Well, the first question is, is when will we would have said Tom Brady was the, like, what about Brady other than his performance says that he's at that level? Nothing. But Brady, you know what? Brady's the exception to every rule ever well, about quarterbacks. But it, it, and Peyton Manning, where's he at on that list? I mean, Peyton Manning was the first overall pick in the draft. Okay, like, but, like, but, he, was, he was expected been, to been be the year before that too. Yeah. Well, I don't know how expected he was in that, that there was, I mean, I was around for that draft. There was real conversation about the number two. Uh, right, Ryan Washington. Leaf, yeah. that maybe he, but so okay, so then he's still the second pick in the draft. If he goes there, mm-hmm. that's a pedigree. Like, it, well, except Mac Jones was by all accounts ninety percent chance to be the third pick in the draft. I mean, for the 49ers. I mean, it, it, the odds late, late in that process was this is Mac Jones, right? And Adam Schefter said that that's who they decided on. I mean, we can say Schefter's wrong and not even rehash that. I guess my point is this: Brady was the 199th pick. All right. Mac Jones was the 15th. Are we really saying that Brady has physical skills that Mac Jones doesn't? Physical skills? Uh-huh. Probably, especially like if you compare them at the same ages, probably not. Okay. And is there any reason to think that Mac Jones can't continue to improve? I mean, supposedly he's physically, you know, thinner and stronger yeah. coming in. Do we really have the ability to assess the speed of processing of Brady versus Mac Jones. We, we don't. So why is there this obsession with Mac Jones is like, and everyone says, maybe he can be a Kirk Cousins. It's like, how many different factors are there about what limits Kirk Cousins versus what, you know, I, I, I guess I don't think only the most tool, toolsy quarterbacks, because let's be candid. You named a couple of quarterbacks. Name, Mahomes, uh, Allen, Herbert. Probably the three toolsiest guys in the league. Yeah, and and typically those toolsy guys have never – like think back in the last 20 years. Who's the best really toolsy quarterback? Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's the second best? I mean, Mahomes. No, I'm saying I'm not counting the young bucks that we're oh, talking. Uh, 20 years now we got to think about. I don't know. 
Dante no. Culpepper? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that really crazy? I mean, Brett Favre? Right? I mean, Favre, but yeah, that's yeah. the end of that. Tour. I mean, what I'm saying is toolsy guys haven't hit. It's always been a trade-off. Do you want the guy that's got the brains and the, and the work ethic and less tools, or do you want the toolsy guy that's going to make the boneheaded throw typically at a certain point in the game, right? Yeah. Like, uh... I mean, like Joe Flacco was the tools guy, right? Coming, mm-hmm. right? Like the mm-hmm. measurables, everything was the tools. He had all the tools. He wins the Super Bowl, but you know, I mean, <laughs> gets a lot of money for that one Super Bowl year. As a Steeler fan, yeah. I was scared of Flacco. <laughs> yeah. I will say. So, I mean, that means he was something. I mean, Roethlisberger might go into that conversation for toolsiest guys the last twenty years. You know, it's, it's funny it's, because it, it's hard to remember. You know, within the last five years, you kind of forget that he could actually move around and things. But for the most of that twenty years, he was a, a, a very toolsy player. Except he certainly had the size to take the hits, and he had the mobility. He didn't have a massive arm. Like, I mean, when you really think about mm-hmm. it, he, he, he didn't ha- – no one ever said Big Ben has the best arm in the league. You know, who, Matt Stafford might be the guy. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And, and Stafford was a real compromised guy until this year yeah. where you said you didn't know what he was. So I guess what I'm saying is if Josh Allen continues to play as well as he is, he'll be one of the few guys on earth that's ever been that toolsy that was successful. Mahomes – you know, it's funny, Scott, is last year we said there's one guy that I think doesn't have a major question mark at NFL quarterback. And everyone else to me had a question mark. And it was Mahomes didn't have the question mark. Now I would make the case that Mahomes has as many, if not more, question marks than any of the big top guys. Like right now, Josh Allen or Mahomes, if we said QBR, this year, bat, who's going to get, for, you know, who will be higher? Who you take? I'd take Josh Allen. So would I. So last year, if I would have asked you, you would have taken Mahomes, right? Yeah. And Herbert, who do you take over, uh, you know, Herbert in the mix with, let's say, Mahomes? I'll take Herbert over Mahomes this year, too. I think no, that, with no Tyree kill? Yeah. I think that's a valid. We would, too. Okay, so think about yeah. this now. We got the one guy that was unimpeachable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is now we got two people we just picked over them. It's fascinating because it could, it, it, if Herbert and Mahomes and Allen are good, they'll be the three toolsiest great quarterbacks we've had in a, ever, maybe. And I just don't think it's going to be that way. Part of me says that one of them or two of them, I don't know. I think Mahomes had to have a concussion. I mean, the way. He, they were on the five-yard line on their fourth drive with 30 seconds left, and if they scored, they would have had four touchdowns on four possessions. That's perfection, right? Mm-hmm. And he throws the ball behind him, it screws it up, and plays the worst second half, the worst half of football we've seen in the playoffs in 20 years? How does that happen? Perfection and... Mind-blowing. And especially if you think back to what he did the week before against Buffalo, where he had like an all-time performance as well. So I mean, his whole year, I mean, the second half of his year, I mean, once he figured out the too high stuff a little bit, and then what do you guys think about um, Tyreek Hill, you know, bad-mouthing him? Like complaining about uh, – Tyreek Hill's been the offense for the last several yeah. years. I don't, I don't understand Tyreek Hill saying, I just didn't feel like they utilized me. Enough. How could you be utilized more? Like, but then saying how somehow the, the two is better accurate-wise. Accurate okay. <laughs> I mean, let's not forget, though, Mahomes was, what, the 10th pick? Mm-hmm. Like, 
how, why, no one's ever explained that to me, why he wasn't pick number one. I don't think he, I don't think he was even thought to be like this coming out of Texas Tech. You know, but the physical skill—I mean, he, he doesn't—he hasn't shown any physical skills. He didn't show. But there was a lot of talk about him, you know, him going a lot higher than he did. There was talk about him going number two when Trubisky went to, because that he was that I don't tools know. They, guy. They, they, they traded like three number yeah, two. Yeah, but you picks know what to, though? When you look back at that, you know, the, the Texas Tech game where it was him and Baker Mayfield going back, it was like 700, 900 yards of offense yeah. and the touchdowns. Like Baker was the guy that came out of that game, and you're like. This guy's going to be, you know, yeah, like people were more in on Baker than they were on Mahomes. It was also before Mahomes, no one from that offense had translated to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, he was not a good better coach than quarterback, but like who like Graham Harrell, like, well, no, Graham Harrell, BJ Simmons, yeah. yeah. But it like it's almost like Aaron Rodgers. Remember when Aaron Rodgers, there was nobody who came out of that out of that Cal offense that had had success in the NFL, and everybody, "Ah, maybe Aaron Rodgers can't do it, and then he kicked the door in and obviously could do it. I think that's the same situation with Mahomes, and he opened the door for a lot of the Baker Mayfields and, and Kyler Murrays to get drafted. Yeah, but the only thing I would say about Aaron Rodgers is so different is this wasn't an era where quarterback was exa- was was valued I, I as highly. Like anyone with, if you could close your eyes and envision them being good in the NFL, they went high. Uh, Trubisky, you could close your eyes and say, I could see with his, uh, you know, his yeah. legs. Yep, physically imposing. Yeah. What was it about Mahomes that the people thought he should go well after these guys? And, and, and what was that the Wentz draft too? I no, mean, that was Miles Garrett was the number one pick in that draft. Okay, so right off the go. So who were the quarterbacks taken before? Pull up that before draft. Mahomes? Yeah. Uh, it was Trubisky went two, and then Mahomes went 10. So Mahomes and then Deshaun a... Watson went 12. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, both those guys, it's like, I, I don't, I think both those guys today, without the NFL experience, but with like coming out of college would have been top, top picks, not 10 and 12. But I guess what I'm saying is this, Josh Allen was not as good last year as he was the year before, but he played better than I expected. It wasn't a full regression. Now, where does, what happens with that from here? Him running the ball, I think, if he's gonna run the ball 15 times a game, I don't think you – maybe he is the best quarterback. How many hits can he take like that sure. is the question. He seems very much like like Cam Newton kind of like – Which built. is not a good thing. Yeah, but he's but he's built physically to take those hits. Which means uh-huh. you're more inclined to be willing to take them, which means you get hurt in a way you don't know. But you. I'll say Josh Allen rarely gets hit clean. Like he, he's been – But he, he never ran like he did at the end of last year. What I'm saying is it was like there was a shift after that win game. Mm-hmm. And and even if you remember that, remember they went to Tampa Bay and were down like 28 in the second half of that game, and they fought back. But it's like Josh Allen, I mean, you could make the case that the game against the Patriots in the playoffs and then the game against Kansas City is the two best games a quarterback's ever played in a row. I wouldn't argue against you, I although mean, it, it'd be, it, to say he did lose one of those games. But that, what's that got to do with him? Yeah, no. I mean, if, if if quarterback wins are you know if wins are a quarterback stat, I don't think anyone thinks that's the case, right? I mean, Mahomes wasn't the one that let them score in, in 13 seconds. So oh, I'm sorry, uh, Allen against New England, 21 of 25, 308 yards for an 84 percent completion rate, uh, and then add in 
66 yards rushing. His his QBR that game, 98.5. And then the next so, game, yeah. 27 of 37, 329 yards, four touchdowns, and a 90.2 QBR, 68 rushing yards. Nine passing touchdowns over those two games. I mean, against the Patriots, they scored every time they got the ball. I mean, it, and it, it's like I get why they're the favorite now, but it's like if that's the truth, then he's the best. Then you got Mahomes. Where's he at? You got Herbert, which again, Herbert. I don't. I wonder how much the Herbert love stems from that Raiders game and all those fourth down. It feels like that was the game a lot of people finally came around to him. You know, he's an extremely popular MVP pick this year, which, yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, you could make the case the Chargers have added more talent than any team, any contender. The, the big debate I've seen recently is if you could if you could choose one now, would you rather have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? Yeah, the thing about Burrow is and, and this is a fascinating conversation up until like game 12, he didn't really have a good year. I mean, he was pretty average, and he only excelled against the Steelers and the Ravens because he processes the blitz so well. Ravens blitz like crazy. Pittsburgh blitzes like crazy. But then, and we had great analysis on this where we thought, well, maybe against the Raiders, maybe. But he just was good against everyone. So it's almost like his leg got hurt. Back. I mean, that I was reading about how bad that, they said his leg injury the one that happened the year before was similar to Teddy Bridgewater. Mm, like, oof. it was almost that level of injury. And, I mean, Bridgewater's never been the same. The fact that it took him – remember, he got hurt, what, mid-year that year? So, I, I think in general, the quarterback we saw from Burrow early in the year was physically not there yet. And then the guy in the second half of the year, I think it's a valid conversation with Herbert. I don't think the whole year was – with Burrow, you mean? Yeah. No, I'm saying a valid conversation with oh, Herbert. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Burrow being on that level. But I look at Herbert, and I think he's not going to get hurt. For, if, if you tell me he doesn't have one injury in the next five years, it feels right to me. Burrow feels like he's going to be hurt his whole career. I agree. So my thought there would be I'll take – if there's no injuries, if I knew for sure, I think it's a – I'd probably take Burrow. But I think it's close enough I'm gonna, I'd take Herbert. But again, there was someone that no one in the world thought should have, like, no one thought he should have went before Tua. Like, if the NFL is yeah. so good at, at figuring out quarterbacks, how could they see little noodle-arm Tua as better than <laughs> Herbert? Because it was already decided when he was in college that yeah. he was the number one pick. Doesn't that show the flaw of the market? Yes, absolutely. Which brings up the debate I was telling you we need to have is with this idea of this would be a good little shift here so just to wrap up i think the bucks are a little overrated and i'd be inclined the rams are in it to win it man mm -hmm. i take the ram you give me the rams over the bucks and i'm getting 10 to 1 instead of 7.2 you know instead of plus 725 boy i i like the rams a lot more than i'm that. with you i'd like to see the odds to win the nfc i, I mean you, you may get a uh it's well, gonna be about high they're gonna cut that you know you want to look at look at that up mckenzie yeah 500 yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just think Brady, I mean, I, last thing on Brady is if you told me after they lost to the Rams or if you told me the day before A.B. had the confrontation, you know, the blow up and you said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Bucks are going to lose early in the playoffs. 
uh, Brady's going to retire right <laughs> after the season. <laughs> then Brady's going to come back, but Bruce Arians is going to coincidentally retire right at the same time Brady comes back. Cool. Coincidentally, quote fingers. Yes. Yeah. And, and then there's going to be reporting that Brady had it set up where Sean Payton was going to be the coach in Miami and he was going to be the quarterback and part owner, but the Bucks wouldn't trade him. I mean, it's like all the shit that's happened is like almost like you can't believe it. It almost feels like that can't be true for real. I'm with you. And everyone's ignoring it. And that's why when I said the NFC, the Rams to win the NFC, if you look at the top teams in the NFC and these odds, Bucks, Rams, Packers, 49ers. Then you get to Cowboys at 18 to 1. That's the top five teams. Mm -hmm. Only one of those teams doesn't have massive question marks, and it's the Rams. Yeah. So that that way you avoid all these AFC monsters, the Bills, Chiefs, the Chargers. The Rams were the fourth seed. They were. I mean, they got on a run. I mean, but think about what they had this year going into next year. Compare that to the the Bucks or the Packers or the 49ers. Those th- teams are going under drastic changes. The Rams are the Rams are holding pat. Well, I, I wouldn't say the Bucks are going through drastic or, or, or Tampa Bay's going through drastic changes. I mean, they've got a new head coach. They lost two of their top four weapons on offense. I, I'd say pretty drastic. Uh, I mean, we'll listen. Uh, We'll see what kind of playmakers they're able to get. Because you're right. If they, if they don't get anyone else, I think it's thin. And plus, when, I mean, the guy, it wasn't Evans that hurt his knee. It was Godwin, right? Godwin I mean, this what, year. But Evans is usually the one who gets hurt. But but Godwin's not, when's he supposed to even be back? I mean, is he, are we sure he's, a, I mean, he hurt his leg late in the year. If it's a 12-month injury, he might miss half a year, right? What are they expecting with him? I'm looking into it. Yeah. All right. So, what I'm saying is I feel like we're going to look back and say Brady's heart wasn't in it, but right now he's priced like his heart's in it. And just to finish the Mac Jones talk, I don't think we fully under – this whole talk about scoring with 13 seconds left, it's like, you know, you need that kind of firepower. Really? Because it's like Brady never had that, ever. And, and did Peyton Manning didn't have an – Peyton Manning's arm was – you could say he was the number one pick. That's fine. Physically, he was tall, but he certainly wasn't a great athlete. No. And he didn't have a, a rocket arm. But I would say that Peyton and Tom Brady both fell in that category where if you gave them the ball with a minute left, you were terrified. Because of how good they were. So the question becomes, we're looking at Mac Jones and saying, but, but, but Mac Jones was a better quarterback this year than Brady was the year they won the Super Bowl. I, don't, I won't argue with that. So if it's like your first year starting, Brady had the benefit of— And honestly, that's a great comparison because this year, the Patriots' defense almost put up identical numbers to that first Super Bowl year run. Like okay. they, like they were making comparisons uh, to the Patriots team, and they were doing this uh, a lot this year. And I remember bringing it up, and uh, I, I, I'll try and pull up an old article. But through like a certain point of the season, they had like the same record, the same yards uh, per game, the same points allowed per game from that first Super Bowl run, and everyone was drawing the comparisons between Brady in you know his first year as a starter there, Mac Jones in his first year as a starter there. So to say Mac Jones out performed Brady in you know 2000 in that year yeah. you know is a really 
it's a really fair comparison given the performance of the team around them was almost identical. Yeah, and then obviously it was the tuck game against the Raiders, or mm -hmm. they don't even, you know, it was a, it was a very fortuitous road to the Super Bowl. And Brady was Brady, which took advantage of it. I just can't think of a time, and I don't, I don't think a time existed, when Tom Brady was new, in New England that they were the, the third favorite in the AFC East. Like, oh, but what does that have to do with anything? It just means that they're – they're clearly if Tom Brady were there, they wouldn't be the third favorite in the AFC East. But, that, but is the debate that is is the debate of Mac Jones today is the goat of all time? Well, the debate was what I, what I asked was if if Belichick had a time well, machine no, and he no, knew. No, 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 no. I to me that debate is interesting, but I want to zero in on something else that is kind of in this conversation. But just to frame your debate one more time, and this is where I'm not sure who I agree with with Scott or you on this. I think in general, if, if Belichick knew how good Brady was going to be, he would have paid him. It'd be crazy not to. It was as good Agreed. as he's ever been. So, and that's you have to forego whatever you've got in Mac Jones. You'd have well, to give away that lottery Mac ticket. Jones at that point. That's what I'm the saying. The theory is it's a year before. Now, if he could decide from today, the question is, with two years of Brady and one more year of Brady potentially now, how good he is, we don't know, because he is going to hit the wall at some point. Is that worth the uncertainty of the next quarterback? Or is Mac Jones good enough that even you wouldn't take those two Brady years because you're going to get 10 years of Mac Jones or, or more? So I don't know how great Belichick thinks Mac Jones is, right? But I think it's a, that's a tough question, Yeah. right? Because do you get three more years of Brady but no Mac Jones, but now you're going to get a draft choice like Mac Jones at some point? I don't know. So through their first career 12 starts – Jones eight and four, Brady nine and three. Jones seventy percent completion percentage, Brady sixty five percent. Jones a sixteen to eight touchdown to interception ratio, Brady sixteen to ten touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, Jones seven point five yards per attempt, Brady seven yards per attempt. And the only thing some I of that's era adjusted. It's got to be though. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. I they, agree they're, with that, they're, but they're, I think like, at worst or even. Similar. At worst or yes. even. And then I mean, the half team, a yard of throws a lot. Yeah, and then the team around them were just it was ridiculously similar in terms of like I said, like points per game allowed, yards per game allowed. Their defense, you know, led the way. It was uh, it's a, I think it's a very fair comparison. And, and odds are very strong that Brady's not going to or that, he, that Mac Jones isn't going to be as good as Brady. It's this what I don't understand. What I don't understand is. What is it about Mac Jones that is the constraining variable? What is it about him that says this is you can only be this good, you know, maybe twelfth best quarterback? Like, what is it about him that is the constraining variable? Because I don't believe arm strength is something that we really have a feel for. Like, what can he develop some a little bit more arm? Because he doesn't need much more. Mac Jones doesn't have a weak arm. He just has an average NFO, maybe a I agree. little below average. Slightly below. So if he can be slightly above average, that's a big difference. It's just with time and effort, maybe. But to me, the I mean, Drew Brees had a noodle arm at the end, and Drew Brees is like the third. His last three years, he's like the third best quarterback. Like, if you look at just QBR, it's like yeah. Drew Brees. And actually, he rates better than Brady during that time because that was Brady's last Patriots year. Brady was like 19 or something in the QBR. So I just don't get everyone thinks they understand Mac Jones's limits or, or ceiling. And I don't see – I don't think Belichick's picking a guy that can't take him to a Super Bowl. He, I think he believes Mac Jones's heights can get them to a Super Bowl or why would he be doing it? Yeah. So, um, 
speaking of era adjusted, it's a good point. Brady, uh, this is what the QBR or quarterback QB rating. rating? Passer rating. Yeah. I don't believe in passer rating. So we were, <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's the best we had at the time. We were we were uh, boneheaded back then. Yeah, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like in any way endorse it. But Brady had the sixth best in the league, and Mac Jones had the fifteenth best. Though Mac Jones was a ninety-two. Yeah, look at the number. Brady difference. was an eighty-six. Yeah, that's error adjusted right there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and the question is: Is Brady being six-four a sign of his physical skills, even, or is it his hundred ninety-ninth pick? It's more important. You know, I don't know. Scott has got his, you know, his little show, you know, more important apparently. <laughs> yeah. All right, but real quick though, baseball. I, I was really fascinated by the Yankees and all the talk about this team's in a similar pace to the Seattle team in, what was it, 2001 was it? Yep. The Seattle? Yep. So how good are the Yankees? They are, this is, what's incredible is you wouldn't have thought going into the season that they would be the best version of the Yankees that we've seen, but the pitching performance is undeniable. It's not just the bullpen, which was their strength going into the season. The but their, starting, their closer blew up. I mean, their closer. But they've replaced him with Clay Holmes, who up until last night had 31 or 32 consecutive scoreless innings. Like, that's how unhittable this dude has been. So even when Aroldis Chapman comes back, Clay Holmes is probably still going to be the closer. Now, what's the injury with Chapman? Is it just he had a dead arm, or what was it? Oh, yeah, I don't actually know off the top of my head. Um, there was there, there was arm issues or maybe an elbow tendonitis or something. And that's the uh, guy from the Reds that really threw the heat, though. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah. but he's he, as dominant as, he, as he's been in the regular season, has failed in the playoffs every year, every time. Gave up a big home run uh, to Altuve one year in the loss, gave up the big home run to Brasseau in the Rays the next year. So he has always faltered. In the postseason, or all the Chapman. Uh, Chapman's injury right now left Achilles tendonitis. Oh, okay, yeah, but tendonitis or something. He actually, they asked him about uh, <laughs> Holmes today, and he said, "Right now, he deserves to be the closer. When I come back, I'm willing to take whatever role is there for me." Yeah, good, because he should not be the closer. Um, but the Yankees right now, they are for the 15, 50 and seventeen on this uh, as we recorded this episode to the same day in two thousand one. The Mariners were 54 and 17. Now, obviously, this season started a little bit late, so there's four more games ahead for the Mariners. If the Yankees win the next four straight, they would match what the Mariners were in that time. And their recent run has been like the the real tough run with playing like the Rays. I mean, like this has been. This is like the start and middle of their tough run because they started the season with a, a pretty soft schedule. Okay, because their odds to win the division. Have gone up to like what? What is it like minus eleven hundred yeah, now? Yeah, it's, it's no, they're not gonna, not gonna, they're double digit lead almost. They're yeah, but what lead. I'm saying is just like a, ten days ago they were mm-hmm. only like minus three fifty, right? So this has been like a decisive kind of run so far. Yeah, when you win, you know, nine straight games. Or whatever. The yeah. most fascinating thing to me is they're not even favorites to win the World Series, as great as they've been to start. Yeah, so right now the Dodgers are favored over them. Yes, and what's the rationale to that? Best stacked lineup, best lineup in baseball. But it seems like the Yankees are pretty pretty damn stacked too. Yeah, I, I would mean, agree. What Dodgers I, won it last year, and 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 you. I mean, look, both both teams are getting great starting pitching. I mean, you're getting guys like Anderson and and Gonsolin. Dodgers, the Dodgers won it. But they won it last year, right? They won it last year. Braves won it last year, didn't they? Oh, the Braves. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dodgers won it two years ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 If I got to teach you a little baseball, I would. <laughs> listen, listen. My gears <laughs> run into each other. This whole COVID <laughs> thing kind of messed our no, you're right messed about our that. schedules up. Um. <laughs> There's always concerns about the Yankees and 
health with Judge especially, right? Yes. Um, Which is that's the one thing. Like if you're like Aaron Judge right now, is actually you have to lay juice on him to win the American League MVP. Was it minus one fifty? I heard plus one fifty. It's already gone up no, to minus. No, it's like minus one ten right now. Maybe oh, wow. minus one twenty. Okay. He is what he has done this season is unbelievable. What? That, that's a bet on is Aaron Judge that, going to be exactly. healthy? <laughs> the, the bet you're making is not on Aaron Judge to win the MVP or not. You're betting against an injury. That's what you're doing. And Aaron Judge has never shown the ability to really stay healthy for a full season, which is probably why the Yankees have dilly-dallied over the whole giving him an, a, a long-term contract extension. Also, he is a little bit older than guys would be that are looking for seven, eight-year deals. Basically, if you give him the money that he wants right now, which he deserves, but in six, seven years from now, you're paying money to a guy that's not going to be performing like this. The Yankees have been more cost-conscientious than they have historically. Yes, I'd Since say Daddy fiscally died. irresponsible. Now, why, why is that, though? It's a new regime. It's Hank. It's, uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner has been um, just really – they are – more fiscally responsible. Who's they're staying below the, the, the luxury tax, and, and they're really running a, a well-run organization. So if you eliminate the Dodgers and the Yankees, mm-hmm. who's better, the National League or the American League? The So in theory, who's got the tougher road? Who's got the tougher road? It would probably be the Yankees have the tougher road because the Astros are going to be tough. In the playoffs, you're going to have to run up against the Blue Jays and the, the Rays and whoever comes out of the, the Central. If it's the Twins, the Yankees own the Twins in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They, they never lose to the Twins in the playoffs. Literally, go look at the numbers. They never lose to the Twins in the playoffs. If it's the White Sox and they go on this run in the second half, which I'm not buying, but they could be a dangerous team once they get healthy and what they're about pitching the, as well. The Braves, though, have really— uh, In the to... National League, though, the Mets are are— are uh, unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? They're just they, and they, they and have a lot of hurt pitchers, right? Who are all coming back, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they've been able to maintain this lead in first place despite the Braves winning 14 straight games. The Mets still had a five-game lead in first place, and they've done this all without Jacob Degrom and without Max Scherzer. And when those guys come back, that's like two of the best trade deadline acquisitions in the history of the sport, right? Getting those two guys back after the All-Star break. And think about their ownership there now, right? Steve Cohn, the billionaire owner, has said he will spend whatever needs to spend in order to win a title, meaning that they will acquire at the deadline, and he doesn't care, luxury tax, whatever. He'll go over anything. So whoever's out there at the deadline that they could go out and get the Mets are going to be extremely aggressive. Maybe they'll get Aaron Judge on a rental. <laughs> well, no, maybe they will sign Aaron Judge in the offseason. But no, like, just think about it. Like, what if it's Juan Soto? What if it's somebody that they could, a, a big time pitcher, a big time reliever? What if Craig Kimbrell with the Dodgers say, this guy stinks, we want to get rid of him? And yeah. the Mets say, hey, we'll put him in the seventh inning and, and pitch behind in front of Diaz and Lugo. So they, one, more, something. one more question. The Cone, though, is actually. Bobby Axelrod is that is the that guy is, he was based upon. Who, yes, Billions was based on loosely on Steve Cohn. Yes, Billions is still on. Don't don't say it's a past tense. It's not the same without. You're right. You're it, right. And you know what? I actually I stopped watching the new season without Axe because I couldn't get into it, and then I had nothing to watch. I was all caught up on uh, my shows, uh-huh. so I, like, binged, like, the second half of the season. I, I haven't, like, you wa- know what? I haven't watched it yet. It's all right. Corey Stoll is okay as the main character. I liked him better in, um, what was that, Kevin House Spacey? of Cards? Yes. I liked yeah, him better, better than that. that. Yeah. No, I like, first season of House of Cards is unbelievable, I think. Yes. Uh, here's what I would say is 
apparently the real character Axelrod, the, you know, the um, actor, his wife died of cancer, like, unexpectedly. Mm. So it was a real, like, they didn't see this coming. Damian Lewis? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it seems like the whole thing... Well, has to talk like this in order to get his American accent. Because so, if he doesn't do this... Then, Which is your Sean Connery? It, then, then, no, this is this is how Bobby Axelrod talks. You know, he has to do that because then his his normal accent know, but, comes but out. Remember now, he was very good in um, Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. So it's like the guy's doing all right, at least <laughs> acting. By a tremendous actor, yeah. But I, to me, the thing with Wendy was like they were building up for it all these years. And then they didn't even like they never really had it happen. It was kind of stupid. But they, I guess they paid it off like uh, the whole they they paid it off at the end, and then it never turned out to be anything. Yeah. So <laughs> so last question. Let's assume that no one from the Angels, because there's like different bets now. Will an Angel player win the MVP? Right? Because there's two yeah. uh, viable ones. And let's assume that Judge doesn't win it. It feel, it's hard for people to think two levels like that. But if we say judge gets hurt. Okay. And, you know, not great, not a great mm -hmm. strong finish. Because let's be honest, to some degree, the Angels being so bad. I well, mean, there, if you there's, have two, there's, there's two other players, and those are the, on, the only two other players that can win it. Right. Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. Okay, now that, so that's the one I've been hearing. That there's some value. Unbelievable. And now, what, what's the, what kind of number are we seeing with him? I'm seeing 10 to 1 right now. Yeah. Okay. And the other one would be AJ's boy, Jordan Alvarez. 20 to 1. Well, tell me about Alvarez. Stud. Nashes the ball. Power hitter, but he doesn't play defense, which some yeah. some voters frown upon. In baseball? Yeah. I don't think I've ever <laughs> heard. That's what they call a DH. Yeah. yeah. Mashes. Absolutely mashes. So do you think there's value on any of those, 20 to 1 and 10 to 1? No, because you're betting on an injury against Aaron Judge that we haven't which seen so far this year. Except history tells us there's at least a 30% chance that he... he if gets... he misses three weeks, he'll still win this award. Okay. He has to miss, like, two months in order for him to not win this award. Rafael Devers not... I like Devers, but I think I'd take Ramirez over Devers okay. right now. Absolutely. Last question. What does it say about baseball that, that the Angels could have two of the five or seven best players? And finish and, below 500. And, yeah. I mean, what does like, it say about that division that they could lose 14 straight games and still be in second place? <laughs> yeah. Well, I said they should be even better. <laughs> yeah. but, but I guess how do you have a good team? I mean, is it just in baseball? It's all about the incremental plus. If, if they have seven-plus players, it's more important than having two Double-plus players, or, I mean... You need pitching. You need pitching. Well, and Syndergaard has not been the number two that they thought he was going to be when they signed him, and which is crazy because he bet on himself, right? He signed a one-year deal to bet on himself, but he hasn't lived up to it. Reed Detmers threw a no-hitter, but besides that, he's been awful. And it's just Otani. Mm -hmm. I mean, Michael Lorenzen, there's no one on that staff that, fe that, you, that, that you're fearful of besides Otani. It's dawned on me, if you think about it, in baseball, you can be a specialist, especially with the DH. Now, all you do is pitch, right? And let's say, or you can be, a, all you do is hit if you're yep. a DH, right? Yeah. Is, but even if you have to play both sides, you don't have to play it at one, meaning you go play first base or whatever, but then you hit. Basketball, in football, you play one side of the ball, right? And you can be a special. Basketball is the only sport that you got to do everything all the time. And hockey. Hockey. But they have line changes so much in hockey. Yeah, yeah. But well, soccer you, you, you didn't say going out there for two I don't minute, even count hockey. Let's, I don't <laughs> even, but what I'm saying, say it again. Soccer. 
I don't count. I'm talking about American Real sports. sports. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about like. Yes, like, basketball, you have to play. You have to play both. If you don't play two-way basketball, you know, you're a liability to your team. And it is fascinating, the idea of like guys are great offensive players. They can't find the court, though, at in the NBA Finals because they're. They're a defensive liability. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just find that to be a. I like a sport. You got to do everything. Like, sure. I, I really like the NBA. Because in the NBA also, think about it. You can be great and still not be enough to win a title just because of you, but you're going to be decent if you have one great. It feels yes, like it's the Mike right. Mike Trout, arguably one of the greatest players in the history of this game, and the Angels are never going to win a championship. How could you be sure of that? They have bad, is it just bad ownership? or it's, There's too much competition, and they haven't ever shown to be up to it. All right. Well, that's Scott, and you can follow him on Twitter, Scott's on Air. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Okay, AJ. We've shifted. We're talking NBA draft. Now, you've done some work here. Let's see if it's really anything special. So, how are you? We're trying to make the draft something that the listeners are more knowledgeable about. How are we approaching it? The way we're doing it is we're taking the current Vegas odds on mm-hmm. where a guy's supposed to be drafted over under this slot. And we're picking what? The 14 highest rated guys. Yeah, 14 highest rated guys on that list and just trying to pair them with a team in yeah, that, we're in that area. Yeah, we're not going to overdo the pairing. Or at we're, least talking about yeah, those I guys. I give them a little bit of the strengths and weaknesses of these guys. Yeah. Just a little kind of wake up to them a little bit. We won't overdo it. We will spend a little extra time in the – like after the first four, I'm talking about 20 seconds okay. each. But I think let's talk. We got Jaden Ivey as the clear fourth. But what we have here is for number one, there's a big three. Though there has been kind of a, a, a real surging happening. Why don't you give us the odds on the big three? Then we can go one by one. Yeah, the current odds for to go number one overall, Jabari Smith minus 155. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, my plus 195. Now, let's be clear, though. This Boncaro has been going, you know, where he's been surging, where, like, looking at it, he was 22 to 1 on the 6th of June. Two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago. And oh. then he went from, you know, 7 to 1, 3 and a half to 1, 2 to 1. Now in that 2 to 1 range. Yeah, 7 to 1 yesterday, one day ago. So there's steam. No doubt there's steam on Boncaro. And we got the great white hope. And then Chet Holmgren plus 230. Although I, I, I would say some of the stuff I read and listened to today, Chet Holmgren didn't give his medicals to the Orlando Magic. I don't think he has any interest in going to Orlando, and it'd be really hard for them to pull the trigger on him without his medicals. Well, especially when it's something that is, excuse me, is something that is so close call. We're, 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 yeah. If he was, if this was Anthony Davis or something, maybe they just fight through him and draft him still. So why don't you go? Let's go from favorite on down in the top three and give us a minute or so on each one. So Jabari Smith is a forward from Auburn, 6'10", 220. This is a guy who is the epitome of 3 and D, which has become like the most valuable thing in the NBA these days. He's an excellent shooter, particularly for his size, an elite on-ball defender. I'm talking switchable one through five. If there's questions about Jabari Smith, defense is not any of them. Uh, He's a a very solid finisher at the rim, very good free-throw shooter, especially, again, for a guy who's 6'10", shoots at about 80%. This is of of these three guys at the top, this is the safest floor guy. This is the guy who – 
he, he, there's no way in my mind, there's no way he's out of the league in three or four years. Like there, I could picture a world where Boncaro or Holmgren flame out in some way. This feels like a very safe guy who's going to be in the league for a long time. Not an elite rebounder, but I think a lot of that stems from him playing away from the basket so much uh, it, with Auburn, and he's not a great ball handler, not great at getting to the rim. So those are certainly things that could improve, but overall, there's not a ton of weakness with this guy. He's a pretty complete prospect. I think the ceiling of him is like a Chris Bosch-type player, and maybe not to comp a guy to Chris Bosch, I think is is a big deal, but I, I do think his upside presents in a way of Chris Bosch. The second favorite, Paolo Bancaro, the big from Duke, 6'10", 250. This is a guy who, of the top three, most people would say is the most NBA-ready today. Again, I've talked about defense in this draft. He's probably the weakest defensively of those three guys, but he's an excellent ball handler, excellent passer. He was a guard when he was younger, went through a late growth spurt and became a big man, but he does the big man things well. He's a good finisher at the basket, uh, and he's shown – to be a pretty solid shooter, although that's something he's got to work on. It's got room to improve, but I wouldn't be shocked watching his stroke that it's something that he does get fixed. He's going to be a matchup problem because he's just too big for a, he's too fast for a lot of these but big guys. You're saying he doesn't defend well and he doesn't shoot well. What's he do well? He scores around the basket at will, uh, and he's an excellent passer. He's he, and he's got the tools to be a good defender, but I think a lot of it is he's just carrying so much of an offensive load at Duke that he wasn't asked to to be a, a you know, strong defender. Uh, but it does seem like sometimes lazy in rotation, sometimes loses his man. But one of the things I like about Boncaro is he played some of his best ball in the tournament. So, like, when things got cranked up, he was at his best. And I talked to a guy. That, that I dislike. It sounds like he needs extra motivation like at every turn. Like, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play hard on offense unless it's a big tournament game. I mean, is, is Jimmy Butler, do you hold it against him that he plays better in the playoffs than he does in the regular season? How many titles does he have? Zero. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I'm no I'm no Jimmy Butler guy. What's he ever done? Well, I just I'm just saying, like, I don't mind a guy who cranks up intensity when the games are more intense. Well, if you're playing just as hard as everyone else and you got another gear, yeah. But if you're not playing, you don't mind if someone plays less hard than the average player? I mean, you can't play. You, you say this all the time. Like, you can't be up for every game the same way. Like, there, the, there the has to be. You're mentioning it means he's less energized and engaged than a typical player, or you wouldn't mention it. If he's just like everyone else with his ebbs and flows, you wouldn't be mentioning yeah, it. I, I think that he prior, he's been asked to prioritize defense less when he was at Duke. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he can't be a good defender. I'm just saying there's film of him not being a great defender. Uh, I think the 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 very generous comp to him is Chris Webber. I think that's what the people who think he should go number one see. Uh, I talked to some guys in Houston who work for the team. They, if they had the first pick, the Rockets, they would take Boncaro first. So, and now I think they're they're hoping that he gets to three. Uh, but obviously, that everything kind of hinges on what the Magic do. But he is he's regarded by a lot of people to be the best the best player in this draft. The, the third of the big three, Chet Holmgren, is, this is a seven foot, hundred ninety five pound guy. So, the the knock you hear on, and really the only knock I see with Chet Holmgren is he's skinny. He is very skinny, and maybe problematically skinny. He's got his shoulders aren't wide, his hips aren't wide. He doesn't look like a guy who's going to be two hundred forty like, pounds. Like Twenty years old, right? Yeah, he's a, a very young guy, but he does everything else 
at an NBA level. He is an NBA level rim protector already. Uh, he blocks shots with both hands. He defends off pick and roll. He defends off switches. He is an excellent rebounder who, for seven foot, can lead the break himself. He's a good ball handler, got good court vision, and is an effortless outside shooter. So it, it, to have a seven footer who can be a three point shooter, who shot 41% in college from three. So who would be the comp? It. it to me, the ceiling comp is Anthony Davis if he were able to put on some some sort of weight and physically carry it. But it's almost like it, it's a mix of Pau Gasol and, and Rudy Gobert. Like Rudy Gobert defensively, Pau Gasol offensively. That sounds like a Hall of Famer. It, I think he's got that potential if he can stay healthy, which obviously with his frame is going to be the big question on him. Yeah. So in what way does his whiteness come into effect, do you think? I mean, do you think in general that – People are, I mean, it seems like in certain teams, for sure, he he would necessarily, let's say, uh, sell more jerseys or what. I mean, we can't say Larry Bird, whatever you want to say about Larry Bird, it's like him being white was part of his narrative. Sure, and I think that anytime you've got a white player who's a, a very high draft pick, there are going to be white fans who want to buy his jersey, even if they can play a lick or not. Adam Morrison sold a bunch of jerseys for a couple of years and couldn't play for shit. I don't, so, think, he, I don't think he sold. I think maybe he sold for six months. Maybe so. Uh, J.J. Redick, another example of a guy who even – J.J. Redick turned into a lot better player after he left Orlando, but there were still a bunch of people buying J.J. Redick jerseys. J.J. Redick was a great college player, though. Uh, Chet Holmgren had one year in college. But I, I do think that – if you want to say that having a, a white superstar is marketable, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Is that debatable? No, that's what I'm saying. So I, I think like if if there's and I just find it curious that Oklahoma City is so is so seemingly wanting. Who would you pick? Well. I would pick Chet Holmgren, but I don't. White boy. I don't think the Magic do. I, I, I didn't mean, ask that. I said, okay. well, who would you pick? I, I I think Chet Holmgren is my favorite of these three guys. Why? I think I, defensively he is absolutely elite, and I think his offensive game is so good. I think anytime you're drafting a big, you're taking a risk with injury stuff, and I think his risk is greater than most because he's so slight. But I think his game Except isn't extra weight the main cause of like guy like Hakeem that was rail thin never had injury problems. That's true. You know, I don't see how thin. I think in general it kind of helps you. I could, but I mean, you're, I mean, his body's going to get beat up in the league, and I do think he's going to have a hard time. Like, with who's to say he's even going to be in the post? No one's in the post anymore. Uh, you, maybe you're right. At some point, though, Joel, he's going to have to body up Joel Embiid. And I think a Joel Embiid is like a big, thick have. dude. I think you got, if you have him, you got to have a big old school center. And then when you, the, how many times a year are you facing a back-to-the-basket guy these days? Right? There's only three yep. or four. That, I mean, maybe you just got that, that 14th guy on the team. That, that, you got this job. Hey, it's, it's Embiid night. Get in there. Yeah. I mean – I don't. In general, it feels like the rare cases you're going to go against an Embiid are not. Who's the Spurs got? Oh, I'm sorry. Who's the Warriors got? I mean, is Looney even big enough for Embiid? No. No, like Looney's like six ten. Right? Yeah. So it's like they don't even have a guy. For no, him. James Wiseman. Yeah, but they knew he was out the whole year. Yeah. You know. I mean, okay. So you would go with Chat because he's white. Is what no, that's oh, not oh, why. No, 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 no. no. Okay. And. Um, 
he has a, like a weird gait. He's kind of got hunched shoulders, doesn't he? I mean, it's his shoulders look small because he's not wide enough for someone who's that tall. So it's odd looking. Okay. All right. And then, so really what we're saying here is if the steam is right, Bonchero, if that is his name, goes one. And then Holgrim, I mean, OKC wants him, it seems like. He wants OKC. Yeah, but I think it's vice versa. I, I agree. And then Smith goes to Houston then. That's yeah. my, is that your guess? That's my. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Although, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Or maybe we talked about it off air. But when I was talking about the steam, and you're like, well, the steam doesn't really matter until it flips to favorite. And there's still, you know, Jabari Smith's still the favorite. There's a reason why he's the favorite. Yeah, because, I mean, the batting stopped at a certain point, And it's them saying we don't think the odds, the, bat, the big batter saying we don't think they're better than this. But Although, I, there, I guess there are certain limits that it, with this mark. It's not like an NFL game. But what do you mean, certainly? Like, I, I don't think there's very uh, – I don't think there's a very anything, liquid market. Cut, but what I'm saying is the fact it's not liquid, meaning you can't liquidate, you can't bet as much as you want – means that it probably lends itself to having more line moves because if you think if you think the guy's the number one pick because inside information you don't care if you're getting i mean you want to get a bigger payout but like you're still going to lay minus 200 if it's a short thing right so they've stopped at this point and said we don't think the odds are better than this but either way it feels like that uh okc gets chat and it's either smith like it seems like one and three is the flip here yeah I'm interested in OKC. Just, I mean, it's such a long plan and all these draft choices. And they got, what is it, like 20 picks now? And it's like they can't even have that many guys on the team. So, like, they're going to have to, like, say, we'll give you three number ones for, you know, but they're going to be able to have, like, probably seven or eight top five picks on the roster. And, I mean, right now I'm having the metal block. The guy that, that came from the Clippers. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. He's considered to be, like, that sneaky, like, you know, maybe, like, the 18th best guy in the NBA kind of thing. If you look at him on and off the court, I think he's worth four points to the line, and the market moves drastically when he's out. So, like, they've got one guy they love, and it's going to be fascinating to see what OKC can do. Because remember, in hindsight, if you look at the draft choices they made, whatever you want to say about Westbrook, Westbrook's going to the Hall of Fame. Harden's going to the Hall of Fame. And Durant's going to the Hall yeah. of Fame. So when and I get there was one there was only one number one pick in there. If you look at the picks around those guys, um, Hanky picks exceptionally well. I mean, at least he did in those cases. And beat at three was a good pick. Put him on the shelf for a couple of years. Um so I'm having a maybe I'm oh, missing, Sam Presti. Presti, I'm sorry, no, you know, no, yeah, oh, you're okay. right. Hanky was at Philly and Presti has been at OKC yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And I think Hanky actually worked for him or vice versa. I can't I think Hanky was underneath Presti for a while, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then he went to Philly. But either way, he's out of the game now. He, he I guess don't tra- the process wasn't trustworthy. <laughs> okay. Jaden Ivey looks to be uh, not a certain number four, but the likely four. Yeah, it, there was a funny quote from him today because I, I I think like a lot of players, he's not thrilled about the prospect of going to Sacramento. Someone asked him in an interview how he felt about Sacramento. He said, well, I didn't work out for them. I guess if I got drafted there, that wouldn't be the worst thing. It doesn't sound like he's really thrilled about being in Sacramento. But McKenzie and I were talking, at some point you've got to, like if you're Sacramento, you can't only draft guys who want to play in Sacramento because you'll never have a team. Oh, 
And plus, I think you can build, in theory, you should be able to build that place in a place people want to be. You should be. But, but yeah, so he is a guy that most people are saying projects as an NBA point guard, did not play the point at Purdue, but he is a, a good driver. He's a good shot creator. And he's got one of the quickest first steps. Like, he makes you guess. That's how fast his first step is. Uh, and he's a great finisher at the rim. He can pull up with a floater. Really versatile offensive game, though he's not really a, a great three-point shooter. I'd say he's a, a decent three-point shooter. But besides that, his offensive game is really good. And he's got another guy who's got all the tools to be a great defender, but kind of lacks that effort on that end, which a lot of, listen, a lot of college guys do that. Uh, but he reminds me a lot of the first pick from a couple years ago, Anthony Edwards, who is going to be a guy who's he's well, but Anthony Edwards has athletically been like a, a, a true freak now. I mean, yep. I'm not saying there's not the potential there, but there's never going to be that's never going to be the assumption, I don't think. That's the that's the highest upside. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's like, I he's certainly not as athletic as Anthony Edwards, has an offensive game similar to Anthony Edwards. Okay. All right. So let's go in order from here. Yeah. So the fifth favorite is a guy named Keegan Murray. So we're in 30 seconds now. Yeah. Okay. Keegan Murray is a. Probably not a plus athlete, very safe pick, one of the lowest floor guys, not a splashy product. So lowest floor or highest floor? Highest floor, I should say, yeah. Very versatile defensively uh, and added three-point shooting to his arsenal, which is probably what's moving him up the boards. Where did he play in college? He played at Iowa. So he's probably, like, he's he's not the kind of guy you're going to build a franchise around, but he's a really nice piece to have. He reminds me a lot of Al Horford. So it can do a little bit of everything, not great at any one particular thing. Okay, so he is... Is likely the fifth pick. His, his over under on on where he's going to be taken is set at five and a half. Okay, and then we got Sharp. Uh, t- Shade on Sharp, who is one of the guys that I haven't seen play a whole lot exactly, but he's a freak athlete. What I saw on film so why, today. So he was in the G League or what was he? Didn't play in the G League. Actually signed to play oh, at Kentucky. This is a Canadian dude. Yeah, and then decided that he was just going to sit out the so whole what's, season. What's the hubbub on this? Why didn't he play? He didn't want to play. I, I guess he just decided that he it was better for him not to play. And it was weird because they kept Kentucky and him led on throughout the season like maybe he was going to show up and play. I, I don't know that it was ever really the intent for him to be there. So, But he is a – if you watch his – I don't look at that. I don't, in general, I like my basketball players that like to play basketball. I, I do too. And what – I think the biggest thing is this guy is going from Canadian basketball, high school basketball to the NBA. It just seems like a massive jump in competition, having never done the G League or college or or some Euro professional league. It's just for him to have not played competitively in the last year. I mean, think about this. What could possibly be an excuse to say he chose not to play? Like the last time he played – was what, when this season starts in November, it will be, what, 18 months ago? Yeah. And he just, by choice, during the prime of his life, he's choosing not to play basketball? That just seems weird. It does. So they better be not. I mean, they, but he's not getting knocked too much, it seems like. No, but he's one of those guys who they, I've seen him as high as four. I've seen him as low as 14. You know what might be interesting is if he has a few bad years and stuff, they might trade him for Ben Simmons. <laughs> Could happen. Swap. Yeah. All right. Keep going. Uh, next, Benedict Matherin, who is one he, of he was named Benedict. Benedict. He's also Canadian, uh, but played college ball at Arizona. One of my favorite prospects in this draft. This is, I think, he's the best three point shooter in the draft. Shot a 
he shot a huge percentage of his three-point attempts in college from NBA range, so he's got a, a he's definitely got NBA range. He's best as a catch-and-shoot guy. Do you like that? I, I think if you can get three points for shooting two feet up, why are you shooting I, behind? I, because you're showing you off for NBA scouts. So that means you're decreasing your chance of making your shot to show off. Most guys at his level go to college to prove themselves that they can play in the NBA. They're, you know... Yeah, I mean, you could argue the old school guys wanting to win NCAA championships. That's one way to do it. You're an NCAA guy, so like no one cares about these times. I'm just, I'm not faulting him for trying to get drafted. You don't. It seems like these days you don't fault players for anything. You like shimmies. I don't like shimmies. You've projected that onto me. I don't know your favorite player in the NBA, shimmies. Yeah. Okay. So you gotta like shimmies. No, I don't. It's like me saying, like, I, I love Bob Dylan, but I don't like harmonica. It's like he plays harmonica a lot. Well, okay. Okay. He shimmies a lot. You like <laughs> it. All right, continue. But he's also an elite defender, can handle anything one through three. Uh, does he do that to show off for the scouts? I don't think he does it to show All off right. for the scouts. But he's not much of a mid-range game and not a top-notch ball handler, but interior, exterior scoring and defense, fantastic. I think he's going to fit well in an offense where there's multiple ball handlers. Is, so there, he's, is there a trend here that people don't dribble anymore? Yeah. Like Jalen Brown can't. Like say, It seems like everyone can shoot and finish. Yes. But how do they get to the finish unless they dribble in? Three and D is what gets you paid in the NBA well, but now. See, that, that, that I think is wrong to say. I think that three and D is how someone who's limited can make it in the league. But like the three and D, who's the highest paid three and D guy? Giannis. Giannis is no, well, for, well, well, stop, stop. Giannis is three and D. He, he every time he shoots a three, everyone yeah, cringes. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he, Lord, he is. A, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say Andrew Wiggins. I agree with you with Giannis. When you're that good, it, it just becomes a different thing. It's not. It's not anything close to three and D. Giannis. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he doesn't shoot and he handles the ball. He's more like a seven foot point. I guard mean, it's like shoot. the opposite, except he plays D. I, I guess what I'm saying is the Danny Greens of the world are Danny Green because they have to be Danny Green. They don't choose, like LeBron doesn't choose to be Danny Green. But do you think there might be a point where I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm LeBron, but I know if I do this every day, I can be Danny Green. Maybe that's what we're seeing. And what we're seeing is those guys seem extremely limited. They seem like the seventh guys on teams. But like, it seems like Jalen Brown's inability to dribble is a problem. Right, but he—it's got to be—he would have to have the ability to do it. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's like saying, "I know I can't do this at such a young age." It precludes you from learning how to do it. When in truth, even if you became just average at it, it would be so much better than not having it. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm an observer. But I also think that, like, if you're a wing player, I mean. Is it nice to be able to be a good ball handler? Sure, but if you're not a primary... But again, I'm asking you, name me the... the, If we look at the top NBA, like, uh, we got the top 15 guys are going to be all NBA. Okay. Okay, pull up the all NBA as he keeps going, and I want to read and see how many of those guys are 3 and D. Okay. These are the best 15. Let's, you know, Mike... Would you say Clay when he was in his prime, was a 3 and D? Yes. Yes. Is Lonzo Ball a 3 and D guy? No. Lonzo Ball is a great ball handler. I mean, he's. A, oh, I'm not he's saying he's guard. not. A, I mean, he, sure. So that's what I'm saying. Three and D implies that what you do is you shoot threes and you play D. That's what. It, right. Yeah. Like Danny Green. Yeah. That's not Lonzo. No. So then. But that's yeah. a guy who specialized his game on three point shooting and defense. Lonzo did. I don't think he specialized on three point shooting. Let, let's just accept that three and D for this conversation involves. 
guys that shoot threes and plays D and, and, and doesn't do much else. Okay. So the th- well, I, I think those, that's what separates great players from good players. I agree. And that's why when I keep hearing about guys that can't handle the ball, I'm like, okay, so Giannis isn't, Luka isn't, uh, Joker isn't, Booker isn't, and Tatum isn't. All right? Embiid isn't, Morant isn't, Durant isn't. I mean, Durant can shoot from the outside, but he's not 3 and D. I mean, he plays D, too. Curry isn't D, for sure. DeRozan, no. He's a mid-range guy. Towns Towns might be 3 and D, even as a center. Right? LeBron's not. I didn't know LeBron made 13. Chris Paul's not. Trey Young's not. Siakam. I don't know Siakam's game enough. He's the one guy I would argue might be considered a 3. Not even because he's great at threes, but that's his only offensive go-to. Yeah. So I'm right. <laughs> All right. The, I mean, the tall guys aren't three and D, right? Fair. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, all right. Next down the list is Dyson Daniels, which is another guy I kind of learned about uh, over the course of this. He's a he played with the G League Ignite. He's an Australian guard, combo guard, six seven combo guard. Very good. A guy you'll like. A very good dribbler, ball handler, passer. Uh, he is like I like Magic Johnson. Okay, that's fair. He, this guy rebounds very well for for a guard. Good enough defensively to hold his own. He's not ultra athletic, and he's very inconsistent as a shooter. Has a nice floater game, but we've we've. I mean, I guess the the big conversation's been like, if you if you can't shoot, should you be a guard in the NBA? And I don't know that this guy's never going to be able to shoot. I don't know that he's Ben Simmons. But I certainly see that he like shooting is not going to be a strength for him. So if you're drafting a guard whose strength isn't shooting, there's going to be people who automatically poo-poo that guy. Yeah, I I would say the NBA Finals has shown us that the defense is just more important than it used to be. I'm not saying offense isn't important, but you think about it: how many players on these two teams were defense first, right? Draymond, you mm-hmm. can make the case. Um, you Gary Payton. Make, Gary Payton. You would make the case that uh, Time Lord. Yeah. Marcus Smart. Yeah. Derek White. I don't. Yeah, White was. Yeah, he's kind of like a smart kind of player. Like that. That he's like a, a version of that. So I guess what I'm saying is these were the two best teams in the league. A lot of defense. Two best defenses in the league. And, and who's the guys that were like, like Staff is the best shooter of all time, and he's worked hard on his D. It feels like just if you're like a. Um, Jordan Poole is the only guy who didn't yeah. bring any defense to the table. Yeah, like if if you're like uh, God, I'm tired. It's been a long day. But the uh, Atlanta Hawks guy, Trey Young, that's a problem. His lack of defense is a problem these days. You know, I, I and I like the NBA's moved in that direction. Yeah, I do. I do too. Uh, next on the list, Johnny Davis. His over under is nine and a half. The, the Wisconsin guard, pretty unique guard by today's standards because. He's a mid-range and post-operating guard, which is just something you don't see very often anymore. Uh, but he's a good defender, great energy on that side, great passer, uh, and he's probably not a good enough ball handler to be a lead guard in the league, but he, he passes well enough. He, he can handle the ball well enough that it's not going to be a, a, a terrible knock on him. He's He's got a tendency to force up shots, and I think a lot of that is what he was asked is to do. Like a, is he a Drew Holiday type? I don't think that's a bad comp. I, I picked Sean Livingston as his comp, like a guy who, if you're not asking him to be a, you know, he's going to take some bad shots. Did Sean Livingston get taken in the lottery? Sean Livingston got taken fourth. I know, but if he if we would have known how he was going to turn out, I don't think he would have. No, I don't think he would have either. 
So if that's his comp, that's I, I'm not high on Johnny Davis. Uh, next on the list, A.J. Griffin. We know a lot about him. The, the wing from Duke, who excellent shooter, tools to be a good defender, didn't get a lot of playing time early in the season for Duke. Just w- wasn't allowed on the floor. Used One and done. Very spa- yeah, used very sparingly early on. Can't really create his own shot and had a lot of injury issues in high school. Missed two seasons of high school. What's the good part? World-class shooter. Would have led the NBA in three-point percentage. Didn't have enough shot attempts. Uh, he's also a 6'6 wing who can who can move a little bit. So Three and D. Three and D. Another one. Another three and D guy. Uh, so moving on from him, we get to uh, this guy I know you're going to like, Jalen Duran, the big from Memphis, who my comp on him is Robert Williams. This is a guy who is not – his offense is going to consist of taking lobs and, and finishing at the basket. Not a shooter, not a, not a good free throw shooter, but he is an incredible rim defender. And I think that we just saw we just talked about Robert Williams, his impact on the NBA Finals. I think he can be that kind of player defensively. Yeah, Ron Williams wasn't a lottery pick. No, I mean that's the question, right? Is if you if you were going to be that limited on offense, is how good can you be? If you're an elite rebounder, elite rim protector, and you're put, I mean, it's certainly a situation where you've got to be put on the right team. You need to be put on a team that's got a lot of offensive weapons. So that's what Jalen Duran's going to be hoping for. Uh, last guy we'll talk about is O'Shea Obaji, who, it's funny, you mentioned Danny Green earlier. My comp on him is Danny Green, and it's it, three and D, three and D, baby. Uh, he was asked to work on his shooting. He, he's a senior, so he's 22 years old. From Kansas was they told him last year work on your shooting. He went, but he came back, shot forty one percent from three, thirty four percent the year before. So worked on his three. Good ball handler, good creator. Excels as a cutter or spot up shooter, though. Not much finesse around the basket. I don't think he's going to physically overwhelm guys in the NBA. But again, a three and D type of guy. <sighs> I wish I I'd want a top three pick if it was me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think everybody wants that. Mackenzie, what, how's it go? They they say cookies. Yeah, when you steal the ball, you say cookies. I reach I into your keep, cookie jar. I keep wondering how he ever would know that. That meant he had to steal a ball from someone. <laughs> I just don't believe it. All right, we looked at the Live Tour a lot last week, and now two more top 20 world-ranked golfers make so the jump. So you looked at it a lot last week we when did. I was sick? What was give me the gist of the conversation? It was when Bryson left to the and Patrick Reed when they left. Okay, we but discussed what was it. the take? Um, Did you guys read from the newspaper and say today we talked s- about fading the live golfers at the U.S. You Open. were here one day. Let's not all be on. Say it all last week. <laughs> all right, I just I just interested in the take because sometimes it's like reading from the newspapers. The ta- I, I didn't know was there a take? Were you saying after Saudis? USA, uh, you know what? Iron Sheik stinks, that kind of stuff. Uh, my take was, I don't, I don't even look at this as like a. Th- there's people who are painting it as a patriotic thing. Like if you're, if you're going to the live tour, somehow you're you're doing something wrong against America. I just disagree with it. I think these guys are doing right, well, what's best for them financially. Well, that doesn't that that isn't mutually exclusive. They could be doing what's best for them financially and what's not good for uh, human rights generally. Right? I think that's fair. Okay, so I mean, I'm not sure. I don't. I think there's two sides of this conversation, because on one hand, let's always let's go to the most easy, the easiest extreme, Hitler, right? <laughs> so Hitler, let's say at the end of WW2, they just kind of go back to Germany and they can fortify and they don't get overthrown. So Hitler's there, and uh, he's going to start a golf tour. <laughs> the, he's just going to call it the Hitler 
golf tour. Are you? Uh, how much does it cost to get you involved, AJ? Uh, I, I don't think there's a number that gets me involved. Okay, in so now we know. Uh, it's really, no number. I don't think so. Do you ever see the movie The Third Man? No. It's a great movie, and it has Orson Welles in it, and he plays a guy who's selling bad penicillin to like <laughs> people in WW2, and they're up on this Ferris wheel, and, he's, and all the people look like little dots. He goes, how much would it take for you to make that one dot disappear? He goes, what about that dot? And it kind of was a powerful concept. It's like whenever you think of individuals you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, just think Jim— you know, had a kidney problem because that one food was wrong and they didn't recall it. But then if it's like, well, there's 2,000 people in Arkansas, it's like, well, I don't go to Arkansas or even more in Argentina, right? Or somewhere in Africa, there's an issue. We all just shrug at that. So to me, I'm skeptical of the ethical side of this stuff because I think most people are hypocritical and it's easy to point and tell someone else not to make money. But there got to be a line, right? There is a line. I, so, I, I, I guess it starts at Hitler. I don't know how far back it goes, but yeah, there's a line. Well, Stalin was worse than Hitler, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> that let's just say that that's the two most. I think they say Stalin killed like 60 million. You know, so you know when you kill 60 million versus whatever the other number is, smaller than 60. You know, well, it's all relative. Brooke, Brooks Kepka and Abraham Answer decided this is where my line is, and they will join the Live Tour starting at next week's upcoming tournament in Portland. Okay, so my last question on the ethics of this is it seems like the thing that is the most egregious with the Saudis is the journalist that by all or by I think I guess you could say allegedly but by all accounts it seems to be pretty much proven that that the Saudis had an assassination on a mm -hmm. journalist um I, I'm forgetting his name Skagogi or something I, I can't remember his name right now but um and I should so will you pull that out McKenna yeah, I'm on it. um now so here's the question that seems like a pretty extreme line. I mean, it feels like if a, if a country is going to be um, blackballed, if it's going to be out of the national or the, the global club, it feels like just assassinating journalists is probably going to put you on that, that bad list as much as almost anything, really. It almost feels like if you hurt your own people, we're all going to deal with it a little bit more and say, oh, it's internal issues. But, you know, if you put a thousand people in jail and murder some— because they're political dissidents, we can seem like we can deal with that better than you killed one journalist from the Washington Post. Now, that becomes another question, right? Why, why do we look at it that way? But on the other hand, how do you... Uh, Khashoggi? All right, mm -hmm. Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi, yes. And, and he was Washington Post, right? Yes. Okay. So now the next question becomes, it's like, how do you influence in any way countries that are acting in bad ways but aren't all the way bad where china has done a lot of things you could say that is a main pro problem or if you're let's say it'd be reasonable to say it's a problem yeah. well lebron and then remember now it was um the uh, Houston Rockets mm -hmm. that made the comment that was kind of supportive of i think thailand and hong then it, say it again it was hong kong it was okay. The Hong Kong uh, protests at the time. Okay, yeah. there you go. And thank you. And 
it was like he got in a lot of heat. A it, lot well, of it, heat. It cost the Rockets a ton of money because yeah. the Rockets were, I mean, China. the Rockets were China's team because of Yao Ming, going back to Yao Ming, and there was a lot of Chinese money invested in the Rockets that dried up as soon as that happened. And LeBron was saying, like, like defending China in a way, saying, well, Daryl Morey, the Harvard grad, has to be a little more well-read on these matters. Right? <laughs> LeBron didn't try to have his money messed with. Yeah. So, so, and what did the NBA do? Placate. Yeah. Right? Course. Placate. So when there's billions involved, the leagues will placate against— Now we could say, well, how's the Saudis versus China— and I don't know how to even do that debate, right? And I'm not sure. It's a, I think it's a distinction without a difference, probably. But now in America, we say, hey, Saudis, I'm Joe Biden. I don't like you. But now it's like uh, gas is up to seven bucks. You know, I think I should fly to Saudi Arabia and have dinner it's with those such, guys. It's such a, uh, an, uh, an interesting conversation that I don't think there's a right answer. Because you could talk about all the ways that our country— deals with Saudi Arabia in terms of trade and, and in the market and, and whether it's oil or other goods and things like that. And then you, we're, you're okay with People are okay with our country dealing with them. Because we're not aware of it. But, like, you're, yeah, not, but, but you're not okay with a couple of golfers going over there and playing. Like, it's, not even going over there. Yeah. Just being financially just being backed financially by. backed by someone that's associated with it. But yeah. they're, they're calling this— um, uh, not not uh, money laundering, something washing. Where the theory is, they're spending this money, they're going to break even, but it's going to it's going to sanitize in a way the Saudis as a brand. It's going to be, oh yeah, that's the country behind the golf tour, mm -hmm. you know. And the theory is that's what like Russia was doing with the RT, right? So the RT was a uh, or is a political, uh, you know, state sponsored kind of news station. But they did a lot of reporting that a lot of people like Larry King. Had at his talk show after CNN on the art Russia Today, and then it's like, well, wh wh how much of that was the agenda? And then it's like, okay, well, what kind of agenda do we have with the CIA and other countries? It becomes a fascinating and complex conversation. So let me ask you a question. Yes. Let's say, and I don't think this is going to happen, and it could, anything could happen. Let's say the Live Golf Tour and the people behind it approach the PGA Tour. I was thinking you were going to say and approach me with my 25 they, handicap. They, they approach? And that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, I'm around like a 20. Maybe I'm being generous. Yeah. So they approach the PGA Tour and discuss a revenue share. And if that happens, are people then up in arms about golfers going to the Live Tour? Well, I think to talk practically for a minute, the, the, the PGA has lost, it feels like. Because when you got Colin coming on right here in FSR saying, what did, what's the PGA done for these golfers? It's a very valid conversation. Uh, last year, they started the Player Impact Program, which was to kind of reward the, the guys who brought the most positive it attention took them all to the this tour. Time, huh? It's like the NCAA wanting to do nice things now. Yeah, there was a $40 million pool. Tiger got $8 million of it playing one, one tournament, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And then four of the other nine guys that made that top ten list that got some of that $40 million have since left to the Live Tour. So if the PGA said— So, so that was like them knowing who the problems were, and they were trying to buy them 
game off, it sounds like to me, like ahead of time. I think it was them knowing that this live tour was coming. They yeah. wanted to they wanted to keep these guys. But then when it, it you know, Pam Brooks kept a three point five million one one time when he could make that for finishing second in a tournament this weekend. It's like it, it doesn't cut it for him. And I also think the following is if you can come up with 40 million on a whim like that, then where's that money generally? How is it? If you have that kind of slush fund, just wait. Hey, let's get to break off 40 piece and let, let's give it yeah. away. It's like, well, how much you got back in that? And it's a nonprofit. And what do you have? You have a lot of people that are living a lifestyle like a billionaire because they're, they're uh, you know, what we talk about in the NCAA is all the chicken dinners and all the shrimp. And it's like these people are all hanger ons who are like living like kings because they're associated with a golf tour. But what are they doing to help the golfers? I don't know. Because you can make the case the NBA deserves their money because the NBA is built a league from nothing. But the PGA really hasn't built very much because, as we're saying, the stuff that they control, we don't care about those. Uh, the tournaments, tournaments between the between the major tournaments is basically what they run, and no one really cares about those. So this would be my last comment on it, and we don't have the answer, right? But if you're just defaulting and saying Saudi's bad, golfers greedy. It feels too narrow to me. It feels like that when you have the NBA and pretty much the, the government itself, the United States, compromising when the money's right, when it comes to civil rights or even human rights, like life and death things, then how do we expect a golfer to have a higher standard than the very country? The country does what it's best for the country. Shouldn't the golfer do what's best for the golfer? I see both sides of it, but I think that if the PGA was really a rock-solid organization, it'd be a lot easier to say stick with them. It feels like their faults kind of has opened the door for think about it because it was the shark was the guy that's kind of been the mastermind behind this is my understanding and he's been mad at the pga for 30 years so he's just been waiting to take him down <laughs> if they would and, and i'm not saying i know if norman has a good argument or not but i kind of feel like he probably does because it seems like a lot of people that really didn't do very much made a lot of money and Norman and others didn't make that money. And I think the number one sign that you, they're not a well-run organization is the way they're responding to this. A 90-minute mandatory players meeting, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan informed the roster that the tour will introduce a new eight-event, no-cut, limited field schedule for the top 50 players in the world rankings, and they're going to operate events for players to try to keep or earn their cards. They'll return to a calendar-based schedule, abandoning the wraparound format. So they're making sweeping changes based on one live tournament that's happened so far. Which tells you they know the changes were necessary or would have benefited otherwise. Or they're making changes to their sport, just being reactionary. Either way, it's an indictment. If you knew it was better for the players, you should have done it before. And if it's not better for the players, then why are you doing it? Okay, so that was from SOV Today. Now here comes the final time-shifted debate. AJ on the side of, I don't want to say evil, would you say evil? I was uh, on the side of justice. I'm I, on the side of tw 24 women. Let me, yeah. let me ask you this. If Superman were involved, where would he be? I, oh. He'd be saying, like, we don't need proof. Yeah, he would probably just laser beam Deshaun Watson with his eyes. <laughs> and he would know the truth? He would know the truth. Then, I, then whatever Wonder happened. Woman would have thrown her lasso on Deshaun and made him tell the truth.
Are you making fun of women right now? No. Saying like they have these fantasies. No, like, Wonder Woman had a, a lasso know, of but truth. In a way, it seems like Wonder Woman was a type of placation. No. Like saying, we're going to act, like we're going to dress you up in a bikini. No. And we're going to make you sexy. Wonder Woman would beat the shit out of like Aquaman. Yeah, but she was sexualized out the wazoo. Right or wrong? Well, in the most recent Did you ever iteration. masturbate to Wonder Woman? No. But, I don't believe you. But I'll tell you this. I don't believe you. If I was 12 years old when like this last Justice League movie came out, maybe. I don't. I think. <laughs> I think Linda Lavin. Was it Linda Lavin? Was that the original Wonder Woman? I think. I think it was. Or she was Alice. I don't know if Linda Lavin was Alice. There's a new girl. Linda in- Carter. Yes. Linda Carter. Linda Lavin was Alice, though. I didn't know that. There's a new girl in town, and she's looking good. There's a fresh, freckled face in the neighborhood. But, like, the Linda Carter Wonder, Linda Carter Woman, Wonder Woman didn't exist to me as a kid. Like, I didn't, I, like, the only Wonder Woman I knew was in comic books. I didn't, like. You liked Robin. No. <laughs> Robin was your sidekick. No. <laughs> anyway, for more of this, stay tuned. If not, see you next week. Okay. We're a little time shifted here, but not because there's anything else to record or that got recorded. We were just talking politics. Tell you, AJ, he's a li- the most liberal Texan I know. Where <laughs> would you put yourself on the political spectrum? I think I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, everyone's in the middle. How is that? I, they're not, but I, I... It's like it's like it's like the people on the right are like, you know, I'm 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 right moderate. But, you know, just, like, right thinking right. And then the left is, like, you know, just common sense, left, moderate. Like, that's what everyone is. I just want everybody to leave me alone. Like, I want to do my own thing and well, not I'm, be I'm bothered. I'm sure if you go home, turn off your phone, that there's not going to be a lot of people pounding yeah. on the door. Yeah. Like, where's A.J. Hoffman? Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't think they have that Sopranos tour that goes by A.J.'s <laughs> It house. does not. But anyway, we had some fun with it. But it is a good segue because it started with us talking about Deshaun Watson and that 20 of the 24 existing civil cases were settled. And I don't think we get super comprehensive about this, but you were a radio guy, uh, one of the leaders when it came to the ratings, drive time on ESPN during Deshaun's era. And... We've discussed this once or twice, but it bears repeating. Before the events, uh, the, the drama around all this and the, or the, the questionable action, however you want to describe it, before that, how would you character, wa- characterize Deshaun Watson's brand as a uh, beloved person in, in Houston? Sparkling. I mean, it, it was. It seemed like the guy had everything going for him. It was. If it, Texans fans felt like it was a miracle that he fell to them at twelve, uh, and it, from coaches saying he's Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, everybody felt like he was a great fit for the city. Uh, the team was having success that they hadn't had previously, so everybody felt great about Deshaun. And Deshaun seemed—I mean, he was on every local commercial. HEB, the local grocery chain there in Houston, he was—he did was doing HEB commercials. Everybody loved Deshaun. So, was the absence of a—if you're a superstar quarterback and you're good looking or you've got a smile about you, you know, you're not antisocial. You know, like Aaron Rodgers kind of has an antisocial thing going. But if you're just a normal dude that's smiling, that wins, that's a good quarterback, you're going to be loved in that city. No doubt. 
what, what what was it about him that maybe went a little further than that? Was he big in charity? Was he big in just being like a guy that the teammates all supported? The time? Like, what, what he, would you say on top of the normal? Like, there wasn't any reason not to like him, plus what? Beloved by the teammates. Uh, and the there were two leaders in that locker room. J.J. Watt was the unquestioned leader of the defense. Everybody looked up to J.J. Even Deshaun, as a rookie, there were players in that locker room, DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson, who had accomplished more than him. Deshaun yeah. was the vocal leader, the clear leader of that offense. So those two guys just respected beyond belief. The charities, I mean, J.J. did stuff for charity after the hurricane that you, like, you, is immeasurable. But Deshaun seemed like a generous dude, seemed like a good guy in the community. It was just a, a sort of a beloved figure. You're right. When you win games, it's a big difference because, I mean, Matt Schaub was there for a long time. Matt Schaub was a good guy. Matt Schaub donated money to charities in the community but was never – people didn't buy into him because Matt Schaub wasn't – So you think the fans loved him too? No doubt. Because let's be honest, Houston is a major city, but it's in the South. You could make the case that, like, a black quarterback might have more trouble in Houston than New York, right? Or, you know, I don't know in general, you know, what area. You know, they always say Boston's a tough place in the NBA for black players, sure. or at least historically. And then you had an owner with some question, at the, you know, the, he passed away. And now the mother and, or the, the wife and the son, I guess, mm -hmm. are running. But he had some borderline, you know, questionable racial elements, right? Yeah, Bob McNair, he famously came up to the team when, uh, when Obama won the election and said, it's a sad day. Like we should all we should all be we should all be feeling terrible and like you know all these he said it to the team to the team yeah <laughs> so there was some really awkward moments uh, he talked about the uh, pr prisoners running the yeah. or, or inmates the running the prison yeah well, was a, a, a maybe a misquote a misstep by him but so to me let's be candid though an owner like that comes from the south more than not and. The fact that, let's just say that Deshaun being beloved by the fans prior to this, I think speaks well to him beyond it's not just because you're the quarterback, you're going to get loved. They didn't really win anything with him. No. I mean, you know, they didn't even make the conference championship game. So, like, there was a lot of potential, but, like. But the bar was, was very low for that franchise. This isn't the Steelers we're talking yeah, but about. You but you didn't. Here's the thing. You and I on Aaron Houston for years would debate how good O'Brien was. Yeah. And you would say if the bar isn't low. You would have thought he was Vince Lombardi then. <laughs> Might as well have been. But you didn't think that. No, you I did not think so. He was a bad so. coach. Now Nick Saban thinks he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make you question? Nick, uh, Nick Saban is a career revivalist. Like yeah, all he does, which is, is usually finding a massively talented guy who's down on his luck. Yeah, I agree. That means massively talented. I think Bill O'Brien was an above-average coach, but such a bad GM that it just wiped yeah, everything out. Yeah, but you out. were anti him before he became GM. That's probably fair. <laughs> and remember, he was with O'Brien was with Belichick. Yeah. So when you have Belichick and Saban and then A.J. Hoffman. Those guys are smarter you, about football side than What side you coming in on, McKenzie? I'll take Belichick's side on that one. <laughs> Thanks, McKenzie. I only, we're only together every day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you've been really critical since this all started. Now, let's be candid. It's easy to virtue single. It's easy to say, What? There was a woman, and she wasn't treated like gold. Well, I can't stand even the thought of that. I don't have any daughters, but I got two sons, and I could just Why do, why do I sound like that? I don't know. No, this isn't <laughs> you. This is like the way people are. Okay. They're very simple-minded. 
and it's easy to say women should be treated. And you know what? I agree 150%. I can't agree more. But I think to let that mask that, hey, you, you know, a man's guilty till proven innocent. No, no, I don't go for that. And again, how many times do we have to see that these accusers appear and then they disappear? Like, what, what happened to the Brett Kavanaugh stuff? Where's all, all those accusations? Where are they? What happened to them? What happened to all these civil suits that were going to be filed against Trump? 24, I don't think there's been one that's been litigated, has it? Nope. And I don't think he settled any of them, unless I'm mistaken. Not, not that we've heard publicly. And I think it's hard to imagine we wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah. So I, I guess. Although I, we didn't hear about Stormy Daniels until. But that we did. But that's the thing. That was a settlement that we knew. Well, you're saying the fact that, but there wasn't a settlement that that was simply a non-disclosure. A or, it was a non-disclosure. Okay. And I don't think that he even paid her. Did he pay her? I don't even know. But, but what I know is this: when you say we didn't know about it. Well, when didn't we know about it? Well, we didn't know about it when it happened. We knew about it once he was Oh, so in I the limelight. Agree. There could be multiple there could be unlimited settlements in the past, countless settlements in the past. But what I'm saying is once something is an accusation, yeah. then the settlement is usually public yes. that there's a, at least the fact there was a settlement. And you know what? I'm not saying Trump didn't do things wrong. I don't know. But I know if we simply say because he's accused He's, he's guilty, that that is anti-American. It really is. And you know what else is anti-American? Mistreatment of women. So uh, I don't like any of it. But what I know is that, 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 that I feel like Deshaun Watson is a lot like the Dodgers pitcher. Trevor Bauer. All right. So he was, by, by seemingly all accounts, was involved in kinky, consensual sex. Consensual rough sex. Yes. And you could make the case, and there's a lot of debates in the King community about, like, well, what is consent? Where, how long does it go? What are safe words? There's all kind of stuff where it's like you could see something getting out of hand. Yep. Okay, so let's be open to the possibility that it was consensual, but then it got out of hand and he was wrong to do so. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I wasn't there. But it seems to me that the, the, the legal system said... No crime here. No crime here. And he got suspended for two years? Two years. I mean, we all know what that is, right? Is this, That sex seems gross to most people or a lot of people. Oh, you do what? That's ew. wrong. That, that's wrong. Or it's not even, it's wrong, but it's also kind of like, ew. It's like, it, there's this sense of like, everyone is so freaked out by their own sexuality that any very, and most people that have any deviance from like the straight arrow norm is so self-loathing about it. They hate it so bad that they, they get turned on by things sure. they get turned on by. And I'm not talking extreme things like pedophiles or whatever, because obviously that, as much as it sounds crazy, it's like you got to, with a, someone who's wired as a pedophile that, that is fighting that, that sounds like how, like if I could think about like my worst enemy, what I would want them to be born into, I would think maybe like make them a pedophile. Like I would want to make it so they could never hurt anyone. But if you could make it where you just lusted for something that you could never have. Make them an o oppressed pedophile. Yeah. And, and well, that would be the thing, right? I mean, by definition, you're going to go likely go to jail because I'm, I mean, here's the thing. This is something Dave Chappelle said recently that I heard that was interesting. Someone said he was at, talking about Michael Jackson 
And the guy knew Michael Jackson that Chappelle was talking to. And he says, what, what's going on with that with Michael? And because remember, Michael was a hero in a lot of ways in sure. the black, or you know, I get generationally, it's kind of moving on now. But like, it, there was a you would think the guy on Beat It or or Billy Jean, you'd think like not a lot of tough black guys would be like, that's my guy. But Michael was beloved. Yeah. I mean, again, it shows you talent trumps all, I guess, because it's like he he was a weird dude from the outside, right? Just the way he talked, his all the facial, all the reconstruction, you know. So. What the guy said was, he said, well, let me ask you something, Dave. He goes, if you liken girls, and he said it a little more boldly than this, if you liken girls was illegal, do you think you'd end up in jail? And the implication being that, yeah, if you like the, the lust that you have at the height of like what you feel for your wife at the, on the wedding night, whatever, if that was illegal, could you go your whole life without it? It's like, probably not, right? Yeah. And it's like, and the theory being, if Michael really was that, then how couldn't he have not got caught, meaning saying he was innocent? Now, again, I'm not saying that's true or not true, but it's an interesting concept, the idea of imagine if what you like or you need, it's not liking something. Like, I like an ice cream cone. It's like a need, right? Is if your need was illegal, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? No doubt. And to me... To whatever degree that a pedophile is able to act, that his action is a choice, and I think ultimately it is a choice, I think they should go to jail. I'm not saying they should. I think that they're the lowest. But, man, you got to be able to go back a little bit and say, imagine being in a spot where you would deny yourself the thing you, you know, your greatest desire, your whole. And, again, you could deny yourself for this week, next week. A year, two years, four years, and then finally on one Saturday night when you had a little too much to drink, you act, and you know what? You're now going to jail the rest of your life, yep. and you know what? That's justified, but imagine being that person that fights it that whole time. It's tough. And, and it's like, I'm not saying feel bad for him. I'm saying, like, life sometimes deals a bad hand, and there's nothing anyone can do about it, but... This kinkiness or, or rough sex or whatever that this dude, the Dodgers Bauer. guy was doing, it's like, how in the heck could, like, Ray Rice, did he get four weeks? Uh, it was originally a four-game suspension, yeah. He gets four weeks and Bauer gets two years. Two years. And one is to punch a woman with all the strength of fifty. On video, sons. showed her knocked out cold. But he, but he punched her. I yeah. mean, it was. I mean, I would have went down. I mean, you former MMA fighter. You think if he had a clean shot on you, you would have went down? I don't think he could reach my head. Right, Ray Rice wasn't a tall man, but that <laughs> he wasn't. He was like five ten, five eleven. Was I mean, it was. I might be the most vicious hit I've like yeah. punch I've ever seen in real life. It's up there. Did you see the the Kermit Washington Rudy T punch? Oh yeah, no, but I don't even know if the film you can see that. And plus, he's running one way, then he turned. Yeah. I mean, it messed him up. The physical effects were sure. serious. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that's four weeks. Yeah, rough sex. But rough consensual sex. Well, he was suspended two games initially. Initially, yeah. Two games. They said, oh, maybe that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like t- to me, it's like this society is so freaking judgmental. We act like we're past that, but it's like, ooh, I can't understand that. So 
forget that. Oh, I mean, listen, Calvin Ridley got a full season for betting 15 grand on his team. But you, you can kind of understand where they're afraid of that so much. You should be afraid of this, too, of, of a guy punching his wife out. Like, that should, you should be pretty fucking afraid of that. Now, here's what's – here I'm going to give the NFL a little bit of a leeway. They didn't have the video initially when they gave him his suspension. They just knew that there was a physical altercation or whatever. Then when the video came out, here's what's fascinating. He completely told the truth. Like, what was mm -hmm. depicted in that video is what he said happened. Yeah. So it was illegal at that time. It was unfair for them to say, well, because we now have physical proof of it. Like him saying, I punched my wife in the face. Like, you like, do you not know what that would look like in real life? That's I don't think you do because, like, an athlete like that, a normal guy punching. I'm not saying that's okay, but it's like if I punch someone, it looked very different. Than <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, I mean, it was like a, it was like scared me. It scared me the idea. Like it was so fast. It's like. It's like, I'm not sure I could have got my hands up in time. I don't think I could have. And it's like at any time, a dude like that can just give you. And then then to think about, again, thank God it didn't happen for, for, you know, for him or her. But like, boom, now you're on the ground. You start hitting like six. Or, he didn't do that. But I'm saying you think when you see that kind of lethalness. Yeah. Kind of throws you. Um, let's go then now back to Deshaun is. Could this be that Deshaun's a player? No pun intended. He thought, okay, I can't be out at the clubs with all the phones. Right? I by whatever, I don't think he probably didn't have an idea that I'm gonna be with every massage therapist within 500 miles. He probably saw one early on in his life that was hot and he found attractive and he kind of came on to her and it worked. Right? And because again, the legal system is saying that there's not even anything criminal to even pursue. It's like even if the judge agreed with everything we said, we couldn't make the case because there's nothing there is what they're saying. And it was two different um, counties, yeah. right? Harris and Brazoria. All right. So in theory, they were invert. There was no correlation between the two. If anything, once the first one said no and there was some backlash, it felt like the second one's chances went up. Yeah. And there was nothing there either. So I think it's hard to say, and people might say, oh, he's famous, he gets away with stuff. Listen, with DAs, they want profile. They want to be in the paper. That's how DAs become mayors. It is, and, and I mean, I mean, The Wire depicts this, right? Remember when they were, when they were trying to put Clay Davis away? But is, is a DA putting down... The, a beloved sports star Except in that he, city. He was he, suspended. He didn't. wasn't even playing. He was getting sent out. He he demanded a trade. Yeah. There wasn't much love left, was there? No. So to me, and even if it, even if you got some football fans mad at you, you're gonna get more. You first of all, you're going from being unknown to being some. Sure. And that wins no matter what. You can even have 60% of the people mad at you, but now you're a famous person, and 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 now you work for this law firm and make. 1.2 a year now or whatever. So the, the bias is towards going with a criminal case. The fact they're not, I don't think you can just dismiss it as, oh, he's famous. Mackenzie, I mean, you've been around the court system. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, like your, 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 your sister went to Harvard Law School, right? She did, yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. You know the law a little she bit. She wanted to go to Yale, but she couldn't quite get yeah, in. Yeah, I know that story. <laughs> but here's the thing is... Does that sound right to you that the, the bias with a DA 
is typically towards something that's going to give him profile. Yes, 100%. That's actually a big quibble that in our justice system, their job is to get people prosecuted, where in, like, England, it's, like, to get to the truth. I also I think it was weird that the the detective from the from Houston who said that she's seen several cases like this where they they would consider it a crime and for some reason in this case they did not consider it a crime. Who said this? The, the Houston detective that got interviewed by Yahoo. Yeah, but see that's the thing. That's going to be the one person in the group that feels because it's going to be ultimately the decision of the DA that yep. the cops can't prosecute. The nope. cops can only suggest the case. Listen, I watched a lot of NYPD Blue. I mean, Sipowitz wanted a lot of cases that didn't go. <laughs> but but the truth is, what's going to happen? There's going to be one person, and again, is, it's a woman. Okay, that kind of makes sense, right? She's probably going to be even more sympathetic, and rightfully so. And she might have to deal with something like this herself, right? So you're going to be extra sympathetic. Just like when someone has a daughter, he's more sympathetic. We're all human. But one person disagreeing with a decision, what does that mean, right? It, if anything, the fact that one person came out and no one else did kind of says that most other people agreed with it, right? Yep. I mean, we can't know that for sure. But now, so here's the question. You've been hard on him. It seems like because of what happened last week and one additional person coming out who wasn't even willing to put their name on the record, wasn't willing to pursue it legally or civilly. I guess they don't choose to pursue it legally, but civilly they could have. Mm -hmm. You were thinking that's a sign they're not money grubbers, that, they, that they're here for some greater good. I th well, I think that's what the perception of it was. I think that's that's what the public assumed. It's not what I necessarily think. I I, I mean, I don't think to me. I my mind was made up on Deshaun. Was uh, what? Was that Deshaun is into kinky stuff? Is it is this kinky or is he looking to get a steady supply of? Deshaun Watson could get laid without this. But here's the thing. W without this, there was nothing he was doing. Meaning for him, it was like calling up Uber Eats, <laughs> right? It was like sending. It another seemed that girl. way, yeah. So it's like. How could it be easier than that? I now, mean, you're right. If he was doing something illegal, he didn't need to do something illegal. My point is, what's illegal? Nothing he's done. Well, that's. I, well, the, the, I mean, the court system is saying it's not even worth a trial. Okay. Well, but the, let's say some what of, is civilly wrong. Some of these women who, have, like, so for instance, Ashley Solis, who was the the first woman to to come forward said, as I'm working, he deliberately grabs himself and put his penis in my hand. I pulled my hand grabs away instantly. himself. All right, so he's grabbing his own penis. Yep. That, how big is this thing? He, Who knows? It sounds like he's moving a, a, a train <laughs> or something. Then he's got to move it over to her hand. Okay, now continue reading. Uh, so uh, she said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I pulled my hand do this away anymore. So what does that imply? Do the massage anymore. Okay. I, I pulled my hand away instantly and I started crying. Mm -hmm. So Lise didn't claim that Watson told her so really in, pull the hand away instantly means that the, he was kind of moving his penis over to say, Hey, here's an idea. Right. And she says, Ooh, no. Yep. And then what? She says, uh, he said he told her, I know you have a career to protect, and I know you don't want anyone messing with it, just like I don't want anyone messing with mine. Okay, so now here's the question. Now, that's interesting what he said at the end there, because at the first I was thinking it was him trying to coerce her to like give in, 
But now it sounds like he's saying, hey, I see you're acting differently than some other girls and I, or women have. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, what, what was she in the sequence of these women? Right? Was she, she was one of the yeah, first Yeah, it's hard to know. She was the first accuser, but I don't know where yeah, she was sequentially. If, if she was the first one, then it would be like, well, how does he keep going with it? But if she's the 19th one and the prior 18 were down, or maybe let's say 10 were down sure. and eight were like, no, thank you. And he said, no problem. It's like, now, let's say that was the case. What would you say to that? There was the 18 different masseuses. They're all women. He comes on to all of them in a way that's saying, hey, what do you think about a little bit more? And they all go along with it? No, no. Let's say eight of them say, no, no, that's not my style. And 10 of them go along with it. But no one feels that he. No one starts crying or. Well, even if they cry, it's like okay. But like to me, I want to hear where he aggr- where he tried to force himself on her. Right, that's the question. Because to suggest something like a happy ending at the end of a massage is not crazy, right? We'd agree to that, yeah. right? And it's certainly not unique. Yeah, I mean, there's whole down in New Orleans. There's whole strip malls full of them down. I heard. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that I want my daughter, which I don't have a daughter. I don't want that person that I care about exposed to this, but I wouldn't want her going, giving private massage. I mean, let's kind of get something straight too. Usually if a girl is giving a private massage and I'm not saying that there's not levels above this where there's true, like, you know, how many people are getting like an athletic massage at their home? It's going to be like the really rich professional sure. athletes typically. And I'm not saying there might be whole businesses built around that. But for the most part, whatever number of private massages that are given in Vegas tonight, right, there's going to probably be some type of solicitation on at least half of them. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. So you're saying, yeah, you're saying like, like so, what? Explain to make, th- make the case that you feel like Deshaun Watson should be suspended. I think the the case comes down to: is this? Hey, I asked for this, and they said no, or okay. is it? I asked for this, they say no, and then I, I put my dick on their hand, and they say no again, and then okay. I put my dick on their and hand do again. We even have? Do we even have accounts of that? Yeah. Oh so yeah. Where's I don't see that example. So the the the, the next account was and these, a couple of these were told on the. Did you watch the uh, the Bryant Gumble the real sports thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one girl who said, "I'll let you tell me the facts. I don't even need to debate the fact. Tell me the facts." Okay. So she was giving a massage. This is another lady. A, a different lady uh, said during her massage session with Watson, he wanted me to make kind of a V motion in his pelvic area. I just right, so ca- let's think about this. V his pelvic area, if he's turned on his back, I, is going to be like his front. Yeah. And it's going to be like his inner thigh. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, she says, I just kept massaging and did what he asked until his penis kept touching me repeatedly as I did it. So his penis was like, was he directing the penis or was it alive and doing its own she thing? She says, she says she felt like it was intentional to her. Hayes but, said, but what did he? But was he touching? He it? doesn't. It doesn't say. She didn't but say in the story. Natural question. I know, but Brian Gumble didn't ask him. Because if he somehow <laughs> had the ability to like have his penis like be like a its own sentient being, I can't do that. Well, she <laughs> says that Watson eventually ejaculated, which she found quote mortifying, embarrassing, and disgusting. So let's think about this. Right. Now, this is where you're talking about like if you could have some 
sort of phantom jerk off is what it sounds like. But what, 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 like you were talking I, about, hold on, what was I saying? About no, this? what you were saying, if your penis had a mind of its own okay, or something, okay. but like the fact that he could do that without her. Well, that's not even possible. Like, so, so what I'm saying is, cause she wouldn't, there's no way she grabbed his dick and jerked him off and then was mortified by the idea that he ejaculated. That's, well, I mean, I that, that's how nature works. Like you do that. And then that happens. Is that right? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> this, this to me feels like, a, I mean, in fact, I'm not sure how it couldn't be. First off, I guess I still don't understand. Was he touching himself or was she saying, he kept saying, touch me closer in a way, right? in the V area, and then finally she did it in a way that was so stimulating to him that he ejaculated. That, that would be insane to me. Well, but but let's say she is touching his. I don't. I don't want to say penis. I'm not going to say penis. But and we don't. Let's <laughs> no more talk about the actual. No more talk about that. It sounds so nerdy. Like his 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 penis touched her vagina. No, no. Okay, we're either going to say cock or nothing. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, some son is trying to explain something that's happening in school. It's like, but then they say his penis. It's like, no, boy. <laughs> we don't say that in this house. Yeah, we don't talk like that. <laughs> that to me sounds like. It, 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 I know. What's the dude's name that does real sports? Brian Gumble. He's like 100 years old, yeah. right? Maybe he, they need another interviewer because it seems to me the natural question is what caused his ejaculation? That, yeah. Uh, that's the starting point. Now, if he was masturbating while she was rubbing him and she was doing it, then then what was she objecting to? Oh, oh I mean, what, what is, she, is she objecting to him masturbating yeah. while she... I mean, I would hope that that would be an objection. But, I, but I would she assume. doesn't say that. She doesn't say that. So now the question is, if that's not the case, if it is the case, let's agree. If she wasn't objecting, he's masturbating. She's touching him, like kind of helping him. Like that's that's Friday night with a lot of couples. I mean, I just I mean, you know, let's be candid is after a while, there's a lot of married couples that don't want to have a bunch of sex, but they, they got needs. All right. I'll give you one last example. You right. tell me. But, but the fact we're moving on from this one without really thinking through. Well, I don't is, think we have the facts enough to do it. I, I mean, why are and, you bringing it up? Well, because I'm just telling you what's being accused, what he's being accused but, of. But, but it's being accused without sufficient facts to even logically like think. Well, even we don't even know what happened. What, what was he accused of? Say again, what he was accused of. He's accused of <laughs> ejaculating during massage uh -huh. and repeatedly touching her hand with his penis. And, and again, my question is: If he's can mad, he move it on his own, or yeah, with, yeah. does he is have he to use his hand? He's masturbating, then moving it towards her hand, and she's just like sitting there with a smile on her face. See, that's the like the one story made a ton of sense to me because like he did something, he crossed the line, she reacted, and said no, and yeah. that was it, right? In theory, that at least yeah. that's the. Yeah. To me, I'm not. He might be a, a rake. They might call him, or he might be like. You know, like a like a uh, what would be the right like a dog? You could say like, oh, he's a dog with women. Like, oh, I'm not saying any of this is admirable, but I don't see where you don't, shouldn't be able to have a job over. Like, like literally, we're saying you shouldn't have a right to earn a living. That's what suspending someone from the league is. All right, here's here's from December 2020. This this is going to be the one that convinces us. 
Watson arranged for a massage at an office building. It alleges that Watson turned over during the massage and got more aggressive, forcefully telling the woman to move her hand down to wait, his so pubic wait, wait, area. So forcefully telling the woman. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting. So it, these are all words. Okay. Remember when you're saying is this. Is that right or wrong? You're right. Okay. But you're, when you say this, you're, this is you saying, oh, words don't do anything. No, now, I remember. Didn't, I, didn't say that. I didn't say that. But hold on. But forcefully, Can I'm I say saying. something? Okay. Forcefully feels like it's physical. Okay. Right? Would you agree if someone said he was forceful with her? Here, Are you going to answer yes or no? Yes. Okay. It's interesting that that is a, it's a crafted phrase to make it seem like he did something when in truth they're saying it's words. You just talked about Ray Rice and you've never seen a professional athlete, like, like you had to see it to believe it. Yeah. Now think about, this is a professional athlete, mm-hmm. so him saying something, hey, do this, could be intimidating to a woman. It could be. Now, here's what gets interesting. At what point does it come up that it's the black man that made it, and now he's the scary one? The black man is scary, and he scared the— I mean, I'm assuming some of these women I think are most, white. Mo- I think very few of them were white. I think most were black or Latina. Okay, and then it could be another thing, which is saying, hey, here it is where he is oppressed. I mean, it feels like to me— and, and I mean, wh- wh- who was it saying this? Uh, oh, actually, you know who this was? It was Dave Chappelle again. And again, I have no idea, like what like Red Fox was like, or mm-hmm. or um, uh, not Eddie Murphy before Eddie Richard Pryor. Yeah. But they depicted Richard Pryor, right? Remember on the Winning Time. Yep. Where it was, but but what Chappelle was talking about. I got cocaine. <laughs> what Chappelle was talking about was he said that one of the people from that generation he was talking to, and they said they won't let a black man succeed and 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 um, come out of it unscathed. That there's going to be, and I think you were talking about this, or we were talking about this recently too, right? I remember the Chappelle stand-up. Yeah, I probably have quoted it. I love I love that stand-up. They don't let all of our black stars, all of our black stars. No imitations, please. Well, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah but but what they, I'm none sa- of them made it out without being accused of something. And so my question is, now it's an interesting one, right? Because if someone says, "Well, if they do the you know do the crime, do the time," then it's like, but everyone is like, what what are you saying about blacks? If you think everyone that gets famous somehow has some like sexual assault, it seems like on his on his you know on his sheet, as they would say. Like, is, is it me? I mean, OJ wasn't a sexual assault, right? But o, so it's like, well, he did it, right? You saw the DNA. It's like, yeah, I probably thought he did. I don't think he should have been convicted because I don't think they proved it beyond a reasonable doubt. But if I had to bet at fifty-one percent, yeah. But now it's like, okay, so he did that. And then we go through the list. It's like, who isn't, who doesn't have a domestic violence on them? That I'm not talking about any NFL player. I'm saying someone that's become LeBron. LeBron. LeBron Probably the most high high profile black athlete that has not had any accusations like that. Just wait. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's possible, but yeah. And maybe, and maybe LeBron. Finally figured out. Like, let, let's be candid. I mean, to some degree, you could say May, uh, Mayweather. Obviously, he didn't escape this kind of thing, but Mayweather was the first boxer smart enough, at least financially, to figure out how to beat the game. Usually, it's the fighter can't talk, and he's broke. And the promoter's rich. Yeah, and in this case, Mayweather got rich, so he figured that out. But he didn't figure the next level out, which was what I don't know. Again, who knows? Because with him, and, and and listen, I think to some degree we gotta say in in with especially with sports, if you got if you got an athlete that's 
world class enough to be a professional athlete, chances are his dad was a tough dude, like a strong dude, like an alpha. And oftentimes, if you're underprivileged and an alpha, there's a lot of violence. I mean, it just is, white, black, whatever. So in general, I think most football players' dads are tougher than the average dad. And thus the idea of, you know, like, let's look at Adrian Peterson. Yeah. This gets into the whole idea of how you raise a kid and the, and the culture of that. Because I don't think Adrian Peterson's thinking, I'm going to abuse my kid. I think he's thinking, I'm teaching my kid. I'm disciplining I'm my dis- kid. Yeah. It's a great word. It's a discipline as a verb. And you know what? We can debate if he's right or wrong. But, man, that we can't act like his, his background doesn't make it more likely sure. that he is going to think that kind of corporal punishment's right. Because, you know, again. It's probably what he was shown. I'm guessing so. I'm guessing he got beat, right? And I'm not saying it makes it right. I'm not saying that we shouldn't evolve as a society. I'm saying that maybe LeBron was finally smart enough to say, I'm going to insulate myself in a way that I'm – because let's give the guy credit. I don't know if he cheated or what, but he – I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's had, like, either a girlfriend. I mean, she hasn't been a wife. Like the woman, Yeah, he married his high married. school sweetheart. He didn't marry her. Yeah. And was there any known, like, affairs? You hear things, but no, nothing reported, okay. no. Because I thought for, maybe I'm thinking of magic and cookie or whatever. <laughs> but, but, but the, okay, okay. So you're saying the theory is, in theory, LeBron's story is that LeBron's penis well, <laughs> has I, only been in, in this girl. Allegedly. Well, and I'll give you another now example. That is an allegedly. A, a high profile. But, but let's think about that. That seems crazy, but go ahead. Like Derek Jeter. I mean, it's kind of known that he's been with a lot of different women over the years. Mm-hmm. Never once accused of anything like that. Because he looks like me. That is interesting. You don't look like Derek Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving yourself a high compliment. I just mean he doesn't look like the prototypical black yeah, guy. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. You know, you think about it. That's a great example because the point I was going to make is if LeBron's never running around, how's he ever going to yeah, get Yeah, but Derek Jeter known to be running around. and But apparently he gave him, like, a, a nice basket. Uh, yeah, a gift, a gift basket, basket on the way out. So maybe they wanted the gift basket. But let's be honest. He's a smooth opera. And, and listen, I don't think that, the like, the count, the DA is trying to, like – send a girl to these people saying, let's get him a rat. I think that there's a lot of times that there's a decision, there's discretion that the authorities can make. And when they, and if, especially back in the day more or in the South, if there's a black guy that's the in the middle of it, he's getting less accommodations. He's getting yep. less benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I do think this whole thing with, Again, maybe I don't understand it fully because I don't read the transcripts of every case. But is it me or is it Bill Cosby's yet to actually be convicted of anything? That he was convicted, then it was overturned. It was like saying this was illegal the way he was convicted. And yeah. they've yet to even pers- – so it's like they can't get a, one conviction on him? And it supposedly he did all this stuff? I think it ends up being a mistrial and, and he's free to go. Like they, no, no, they no, wrongfully. No, no. A mistrial doesn't mean. A, wrongfully, a wrongful conviction no, based no, no, on. No. no, that's not the way it works. They can retry them. So if you're found not guilty, you can't be retried. That's called double jeopardy. But if there's a case where the, the, the verdict is set aside or whatever, it, they have a right to file. Billy Walters, they went at him four times for the same thing. But for him, the, the deal was. If this, if he made this admission, it was under the, it, it couldn't be used against him criminally, okay. and that was the agreement that they made, mm-hmm. and that's what they convicted him on. So if they don't wait, have wait, that, wait, they convicted him on his admission. Yeah, 
but but it's an admission he made that you're saying that part of the deal was they couldn't convict him on. Yes. It. So how did they convict him on? They, it? they were never supposed they they were never supposed to even take it criminally. Like that was the deal, and then they used what he said in that deposition against him criminally. Okay. So the question becomes, the question becomes then why would they need to? go back if he so obviously did something why did they ha- have to go back on the deal in order to try to convict him why can't they just convict him from the testimony of the women and the other things i i don't know i mean suppose i don't know how far the testimony of women goes like I, 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 well, without physical evidence um so what happened here now it's just a dumb joke all right, well, we don't need, like, jokes. Like, so the question is, what, what, is, what are they saying is the current status of Bill Cosby's, like, cases? Because you've got a Wikipedia page that says Bill Cosby sexual assault cases. What does it say? On the timeline. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about this. All right, so it looks like there was something in 2005 that he did a deposition on from 1965. And I listen, I don't know. Here's what I'm going to say. I think most of the people we talked about today probably have some culpability, if not most likely. I mean, meaning I don't think it's crazy. I think all of them could have guilt. I think that to whatever convenience it might be sometimes to say, I don't really want to have to prove this. I think for society to have to prove it is a good thing. Because otherwise, who decides who is punished? By what popularity contest? Whatever Roger Goodell feels like that day. Yeah. To me, I am not a fan of criminals. I'm not a fan of sexual assault. Any of it. I'm not a fan of, like, murdering uh, your ex-wife and the waiter. (laughs) But but I'm a fan of saying if you're going to put someone in jail, prove it. If you can't, it's your fault. It's Colin would say, that's a you problem. And, again, the whole premise of this country of this judicial system is a hundred guilty people should go free to avoid one innocent person spending going to jail. Now, I don't know where that number is. Is it 200 versus one? Is it three? There's, but it can't be like one out of 10. It can't be even 10% are going to jail for no reason just because we don't have the time or effort to really prove it. And I'm not sure what's been proven against Deshaun until something's proven. I, I'm not saying he's innocent, but I'm saying let's prove Well, he's guilty. not going to jail. But I'm saying if you punish someone, take away millions of dollars of their money, that's that punishment. Yeah. Right? Meaning, let's say you say you can't you can't be a you can't do your job. But the commission the, listen, the NFL, those players collectively bargain that Roger Goodell is the judge, jury executioner. He decides these things. And I think you're you're saying now that's a little different, McKenzie, but let's accept the fact Goodell Goodell has a lot of pull. Yes, they have the legal right to do it. That doesn't mean I think it's right. But if Roger Goodell thinks this is what needs to be done to protect the brand that is mm-hmm. the NFL, then that's that's what those players and agreed I'm, to and, happen. And I'm not going to think it's right. That's fair. I'm going to say I think that you should not punish someone until they're proven they did something wrong. Maybe that's a radical idea. It's but not, let me it's say not it radical. T- let me say it one more time. If you're going to punish someone, prove they did something worth punishing first. That's my take on it. All right. You're on the other side. Uh, in this instance, I think that they're... You're saying that you don't ha- shouldn't have to prove it. I, I don't know how you can prove it in this case. 
Well, we, the whole judicial system ever has been built on you prove something. I mean, Roger Goodell's not the judicial system. Okay, but again, the fact that the, the, he could suspend Deshaun Watson just for making his brand look shitty for the last year and a half. I agree, and he could defend him because he does because he hits on his daughter. Or maybe because his brother's gay and that and, and, and Gruden says some anti-gay stuff and maybe that's why it comes out. Hmm. I don't know. I know that if he has the ability to make it personal, that's a mistake. Because I know it takes a great man to have power like that and not use it. Yep. And I don't think – Goodell might be a smart mother effer, but I get no sense he's a great man. He's not Thomas Jefferson. I'm with you on that. All right. So <laughs> in general, in general, I you're, I mean, it's, it's like what you're saying is if we were debating, does Goodell have the power to do this? It's not a debate. He does. The question is, what are you supporting? What are you as a media member supporting? Uh, the answer is I can't. I can't justify Deshaun Watson getting zero suspension. Even though nothing's been proven. Uh, no. Even though nothing's been proven in a court of law. No. Uh, but I think that How's there's it been proven in any way. Like what's been proven? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't seem like anything. And that seems like something that should be done. Like you should prove it. Right? And and I mean all the te- you, do you know how much access people have like every move you make, they know where like they can trace your phone. They know where you've been. You don't think that they've looked at Deshaun and and, and said well, there's nothing here? Ben Roethlisberger got suspended for six for, games. Mm-hmm. By being accused by one woman. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's been accused by 24. Right? Do you think that's right? I don't know if it's right, but the precedent's been set. Well, but the precedent was set. They used to hang black people for, you know, lynchings were set, too. It doesn't mean we're going to do it forever. We're going to hopefully can learn from the past. I don't know. The, the NFL Players Association saw Ben Roethlisberger get suspended for six games for an accusation, and they didn't collectively bargain a, a way to make that not happen again. And let's be honest, the NFL has their own investigative units, and it's very possible that, that, that they found something out in the Big Bang case that went above and beyond what was publicly known. My thinking is, if you're going to do something that has a public ramification, make the, the evidence public. So here's my question. Do you, like, does the Trevor Bauer suspension play into Roger Goodell's decision? Because now if you go, if you go six games, eight games, now you look like you're being weak on it. Boy, that that sounds like a nightmare. So now it because, does, but because I, there's been some, in my opinion, egregious in this case, because there's not even a, there's not even a sense. That, I mean, the woman's not even saying that it was non-consensual, no. right? So like, she, well, she was, and then it got dropped, and like the the she had a, a, a restraint protective order mm-hmm. that got thrown out by the judge as well. They're saying like we don't nothing have, happened here criminally. Yeah, I you know. To me, the, the, the last thing I'll say is I don't like that the conversation is about what Goodell has the right to do. It's almost like what, what is, um, you could say, what is, uh, I don't want to say Gorbachev. Because who was the Russian that was before? Uh, who was the Russian in the 80s? Uh, it was Gorbachev. No, he was the guy that ended up having like Perestroika or whatever it was called. But the guy before him was Brezhnev. Brezhnev. You remember Brezhnev? Yeah, barely. Okay. I remember the name. I yeah, didn't, like, yeah. Like he was the last like hardcore, if I recall right, the last hardcore Russian leader that was, you still thought there might be nukes exchanged. And it's, it's like to me saying, well, Brezhnev controls the committee. 
And what are we going to do? He, I guess we got to send him to the insane asylum. It's like, yeah, that's not an answer, right? So I think we'll get you on the side of justice eventually. <laughs> Maybe one day. One day. Okay. We're going to make this the end of the pod. We're going to time shift this to the end. I think there was enough. Um, do you want to do Fez's? I don't think we should even do it. He's only out a couple weeks a I, year. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. So you're going to just have to say, where's Fez? Where's Fez? Where's he at? Well, next week you'll get it. So we'll talk to you then. And by the way, we'll be doing that draft. That I think he's going to, we're doing the quarterback draft and the NBA, new NBA draft we were going to talk about. Should be fun. Talk to you then.